0: Welcome back, Jim. Sigmund Freud was the pioneer who first tried to explore empirically the unconscious background of consciousness. He worked on the general, to our knowledge anyway, he (laughs) he worked on the general assumption that dreams are not a matter of chance, but are associated with conscious thoughts and problems. This assumption was not in the least arbitrary. It was based upon the conclusion of eminent neurologists, for instance, Pierre Janet, uh, that neurotic symptoms are related to some conscious experience. They even appear to be split off areas of the conscious mind, which at another time and under different conditions can be conscious. Before the beginning of this century, Fred and Joseph Brewer had recognized that neurotic symptoms, hysteria, certain types of pain, and abnormal behavior are in fact symbolically meaningful (laughs) They are one way in which the unconscious mind expresses itself, just as it may in dreams, and they are equally symbolic. This is so crazy. I didn't actually plan that this would tie into German New Medicine, but here it is, tying into German New Medicine. That was not intentional, just saying. So anyway, (sighs) okay. A patient, for instance, who is confronted with an intolerable situation may develop a spasm whenever he tries to swallow. He can't swallow it. Under similar conditions of psychological stress, another patient has an attack of asthma. He can't breathe the atmosphere at home. Holy shit. Uh, (laughs) A third suffers from a peculiar paralysis of the legs. He can't walk, i.e. he can't go on anymore. A fourth who vomits when he eats cannot digest some unpleasant fact. I could cite many examples of this kind, but such physical reactions are only one form in which the problems that trouble us unconsciously may express themselves. They more often find expression in our dreams. Any psychologist who has listened to numbers of people describing their dreams knows that dream symbols have much greater variety than the physical symptoms of neurosis. They often consist of elaborate and picturesque fantasies. But if the analyst who is confronted by this dream material uses Freud's original technique of free association, he finds that dreams can eventually be reduced to certain basic patterns. This technique played an important part in the development of psychoanalysis, for it enabled Freud to use dreams as the starting point from which the unconscious problem of the patient might be explored. Freud made the simple but penetrating observation. Freud, sorry, anyway, <laughs> that if the dreamer is encouraged to go on talking about his dream images and the thoughts that these prompt in his mind, he will give himself away and reveal the unconscious background of his ailments in both what he says and what he deliberately omits saying. His ideas may seem irrational and irrelevant, but after a time it becomes relatively easy to see what it is that he is trying to avoid, what unpleasant thought or experience he is suppressing. No matter how he tries to camouflage it, everything he says points to the core of his predicament. A doctor sees so many things from the stingy side of life that he is seldom far from the truth when he interprets the hints that his patient produces as signs of an uneasy conscience. What he eventually discovers, unfortunately, confirms his expectations. Thus far, nobody can say anything against Freud's theory of repression and wish fulfillment as apparent causes of dream symbolism. Freud attached particular importance to dreams as the point of departure for a process of free association. But after a time, I began to feel that this was a misleading and inadequate use of the rich fantasies that the unconscious produces in sleep. My doubts really began when a colleague told me of an experience he had during the course of a long train journey in Russia, though he did not know the language, it could not even decipher the, is it pronounced acrylic? I don't know. Sorry, Russians. Script. He found himself musing over the strange letters in which the railway notices were written and he fell into a reverie in which he imagined all sorts of meanings for them. One idea led to another, and in his relaxed mood, he found that this free association had stirred up many old memories. Among them, he was annoyed to find some long-buried disagreeable topics, things he had wished to forget and had forgotten consciously. He had, in fact, arrived at what the psychologists would call his complexes, that is, repressed emotional themes that can cause constant psychological disturbances or even, in many cases, the symptoms of a neurosis. This episode, episode opened my eyes to the fact that it was not necessary to use a dream as the point of departure for the process of free association if one wished to discover the complexes of a patient. It showed me that one can reach the center directly from any point on the compass. One could begin from acrylic letters. I'm going to have to look up the pronunciation of that. Uh, One could begin from the, from acrylic letters from meditations upon a crystal ball, a prayer wheel, or a modern painting, or even from a casual conversation about some trivial event. The dream is no more and no less useful in this respect than any other possible starting point. Mm. Sorry. Thinking. Um, Nevertheless, dreams have a particular particular significance, even though they often arise from an emotional upset in which the habitual complexes are also involved. In parentheses, the habitual complexes are the tender spots of the psyche, which react most quickly to an external stimulus or disturbance. That is why free association can lead one from any dream to the critical secret thoughts. At this point, however, it occurred to me that, if I was right so far, it might reasonably follow that dreams have some special and more significant function on their own. Very often, dreams have a definite, evidently purposeful structure, indicating an underlying idea or intention, though, as a rule, the latter is not immediately comprehensible. I therefore began to consider whether one should pay more attention to the actual form and content of a dream, rather than allowing free association to lead one off through a train of ideas to complexes that could as easily be reached by other means. This new thought was a turning point in the development of my psychology. It meant that I gradually gave up following associations that led far away from the text of a dream. I chose to concentrate rather on the associations of the dream itself, believing that the latter expressed something specific That the unconscious was trying to say. The change in my attitude toward dreams involved a change of method. The new technique was one that could take account of all the various wider aspects of a dream. A story told by the conscious mind has a beginning, a development, and an end, but the same is not true of a dream. Its dimensions and time and space are quite different. To understand it, you must examine it from every aspect, just as you may take an unknown object in your hands and turn it over and over and over until you're familiar with every detail of its shape. Perhaps I have now said enough to show how I came increasingly to disagree with free association as Freud first employed it. I wanted to keep as close as possible to the dream itself and to exclude all the irrelevant ideas and associations that it might evoke. True, these could lead one towards the complexes of a patient, but I had a, a, a far-reaching purpose in mind. Uh, sorry, I had a more far-reaching purpose in mind than the discovery of complexes that cause neurotic disturbances. There are many other means by which these can be identified. The psychologist, for instance, can get all the hints he needs by using word association tests, by asking the patient what he associates to a given set of words, blah, 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 blah. But to know and understand the psychic life process of an individual's whole personality, it is important to realize that his dreams and their symbolic images have a much more important role to play. And almost everyone knows, for example, there is an enormous variety of images by which the sexual act can be symbolized or, one might say, represented in the form of an allegory. Each of these images can lead... By a process of association to the idea of sexual intercourse and to specific complexes that any individual may have about his own sexual attitudes. But one could just as well unearth such complexes by day- daydreaming on a set of indecipherable Russian letters. I was thus led to the assumption that a dream can contain some message other than the sexual allegory and that it does so for definite reasons. To illustrate this point. <sighs> A man may dream of inserting a key in a lock, of wielding a heavy stick, or breaking down a door with a battering ram. Each of these can be regarded as a sexual allegory, but the fact that his unconscious for its own purposes has chosen one of these specific images, it may be the key, the stick, or the battering ram, is also of major importance. The real task is to understand why the key has been preferred to the stick or the stick to the ram. And sometimes this might even lead one to discover that it is not the sexual act at all that is represented, but some quite different psychological point. From this line of reasoning, I concluded that only the material that is clearly and visibly part of a dream should be used in interpreting it. The dream has its own limitation. Its specific form itself tells us what belongs to it and what leads away from it while free association learn lures one away from that material in a kind of zigzag line the method i evolved is more like uh circumambulation <laughs> Sure, who centers the dream picture? I work all around the dream dream picture and disregard every attempt that the dreamer makes to break away from it. Time and time again in my professional work, I have had to repeat the words. Let's get back to your dream. What does the dream say? For instance, a patient of mine dreamed of a drunken and disheveled, vulgar woman. In the dream, it seemed that this woman was his wife, though in real life his wife was totally different. On the surface, therefore, the dream was shockingly untrue, and the patient immediately rejected it as dream nonsense. If I, as his doctor, had let him start a process of association, he would inevitably inevitably have tried to get as far away as possible from the unpleasant suggestion of his dream. In that case, he would have ended up with one of his stable complexes, a complex possibly (laughs) that had nothing to do with his wife and we should have learned nothing about the special meaning of this particular dream. What then was this unconscious trying to convey about such an obviously untrue statement? Clearly, it somehow expressed the idea of a degenerate female who was closely connected with the dreamer's life. But since the projection of this image onto his wife was unjustified and factually untrue, I had to look elsewhere before I found out what this repulsive image represented. In the Middle Ages, long before the psychologists demonstrated that by reason of our glandular structure, there are both male and female elements in all of us, it was said that every man carries a woman within himself. Aha! It is this female element in every male that I have called the anima. This feminine aspect is essentially a a certain inferior kind of relatedness to the surroundings and particularly to women, which is kept carefully concealed from others as well as from oneself. In other words, though an individual's visible personality may seem quite normal, he may well be concealing from others, and even from himself, the deplorable condition of the woman within. That was the case with this particular patient. His female side was not nice. His dream was actually saying to him, you are in some respects behaving like a degenerate female, (laughs) and thus gave him an appropriate shock. An example of this kind, of course, must not be taken as evidence that the unconscious is concerned with moral injunctions. The dream was not telling the patient to behave better. It was simply trying to to balance the lopsided nature of his unconscious mind, which was maintaining the fiction that he was a perfect gentleman throughout. It is easy to understand why dreamers tend to ignore and even deny the messages of their dreams. Consciousness naturally resists anything unconscious and unknown. I have already pointed out the existence among primitive peoples among primitive peoples of what anthropologists call uh, mesmerism a deep and superstitious fear of novelty. The primitives manifest all the reactions of the wild animal against untoward events, but civilized man reacts to new ideas in much the same way civilized, erecting psychological barriers to protect himself from the shock of facing something new. This can easily be observed in any individual's reaction to his own dreams when obliged to admit a surprising thought. Many pioneers in philosophy, science, and even literature have been victims of the innate conservatism of their contemporaries. Psychology is one of the youngest of the sciences because it attempts to deal with the workings of the unconscious. It has inevitably encountered, misanism in an
1: extreme form.
2: That was on the importance of dreams.
3: I love how it touched in with the new German medicine. That was that was like so parallel. Fucking
0: boom, slam dunk, bitches. That was unintended. <laughs>
4: Yeah, great reading. And so it's perfect. Cyrillic, so you know is how you
5: pronounce the Russian language, but you're doing great. Thank you. And the uh the word the other word is circumambulate. Well, so when <laughs> you go around, around and around. Yeah, I'm like <clears throat>
0: there's, no, there's, okay. circ- like, a there's circle. Like circle in there. there. I got the circle.
5: <laughs> you're re- you're reading something
4: really dense and complicated. It's expected to not know every word and to, you know. Mm -hmm. there's an old saying to never make fun of people for mispronouncing words because it means that they only learned it from reading and that means the reading and that's good. So don't pick on them. Right. Right. Yeah. I like,
5: I like that too. I'm like, yes, thank you. I want to make a statement about the anima animus thing that Mm -hmm. I don't know if young goes this far, but it's been my personal experience that it's not just an internal uh, thing that the As a male, the females that are most close to you in your life are and your relationship to them is a reflection of your inner female and vice versa. And even like your relationships with the same gender is a reflection of your inner male. It's like another way of saying you become the people that you're closest to, but it's the other way around. The people that you're closest to reflect who you are. Yeah, they're already you. Exactly. I'm, yeah,
3: i all I thought about with Kayla's reading and thank you by the way for that, um, I met my anima and that was after working with, um, this is a live stream. I did with the cold priestess. And you know, I know what I know from Carl young and what I can read and what I've heard, but the most I get out of him is from like, Kayla, you reading and someone like the cold priestess, you know, sitting there hearing you guys talk about what you've learned. And, uh, that night, I went to bed, and I dreamed of my anima. It was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. I was just like an angel. And this is this is true. This is, like, really how it went down. I woke up crying. I rolled over, and there she was. It was my wife. Wow. Ginny. Yeah. And I told her. And she she's a Libra. But it was... It, it is. It's the people in your life. So it's like, wow, you know, Carl young he doesn't, he's not, he's just talking about how to get to know self. You know, he's not, what is that? Is it the anima? Yeah. It's definitely real. And when it comes to shadow work and you start letting this stuff out, that's repressed and in you and all that, you're going to see beautiful stuff. You're gonna see some disturbing, weird shit. You're gonna, you're gonna go, is that me, or, or is that something else? Because there's a, a lot of stuff that's been seeded in us, and that's why Carl Jung is good. It gives you new tools, to, like, to really work with it. Stuff's bizarre.
1: That was some real alchemical imagery. Pretty good. Cool.
3: Yeah. Very I think similar. I
1: think very you very sure similar. I
3: Oh yeah, I'm 40 now. So like, you guys are 30, 20. Just keep up the good work. <laughs> All worth it. It um, is. Yes. Yeah, are
1: you single, single, by the way?
3: You. Oh, okay. Good. Lucky guy.
1: Jury jury's still out. What?
0: <laughs> what did you say? I said, jury still out okay i think i think he's a keeper but we'll see
3: oh i know i mean she's 24 years married we were shots fired years.
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> 10 years from now you're like looking over and be like you're still
2: here <laughs> it does
3: make me wonder if dude is listening because that's fucked up
2: <laughs> are you listening <laughs>
3: Let I mean, just get their act together,
4: huh? You've
2: got some chances. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, really, it's good
4: to keep relationships like that no matter what. I mean, it'd be pretty tough if you're in a long, long-term relationship because, you know, your lover does get to know you well enough that your bullshit doesn't fly no more. But as far as new relationships, you can always act like you're ready to bail. Keeps a little spice of life in there.
3: Yeah. There's only one kind of love, and it's unconditional. If you think love is conditional, that ain't love. That's right. Always remember that. No, that's whoredom.
4: <laughs> if there's a condition, it's whoredom. Sorry folks. Just yeah. uh, s- sad facts,
3: you know. They're gonna be in a lot of pain.
0: Yeah, big big difference between transactional and yeah, yeah, unconditional. Anything. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah.
3: Took me a long time to learn that.
7: So who's reading? Yeah, that? we'll have to talk about that on Chances Plus side. I do have some art to share. Nice. Oh, I really want to see it.
3: Is it penetrating?
7: Oh, <laughs> well.
2: <laughs> I put a key Freudian in the lock. slips ahead.
7: Busted through yeah. the door. I'll need, I'll need to around. share my screen so that will take over the entire video. So if anyone needs to change their costumes, that's a possibility. So, man- <laughs> So I
5: changed my see. background. I'm in the jungle now. Do I have a different level of consciousness? Oh, he is.
2: Whoa.
7: Yeah. You don't feel it? I can begin to, booga attempt booga. to share my screen. I'll see how StreamYard reacts to it. it Do you you show you us your...
0: Did Snake just show us his pot plant before, like, running away?
6: I think so. I think
0: was just, like... It's from marijuana running
3: it's away now. Tea. <laughs> it has no teeth. Yeah, he, he doesn't even smoke it. And I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> and and I have a permit for this. Okay, I paid my. Money.
7: Nice. Oh, All right. So here's um. Whoa. You were talking about anima and perfect woman, and I was trying to find a way to create some weaving art, weaving art, spiders, spiders, art, weaving spiders, welcome art, something in an appropriate order. So I have a basic outline here and trying to create something that could be printed on a t-shirt. So the idea would be White ink on a black shirt, and that would be sort of our starting point. Using the inverse of it to compare kind of the shadows, and you can zoom in here to see we have a spider, we have a web, we have an outline of a female, and I like the hair. I like the hair getting stuck in a cobweb, I like the threads. I like this idea that there's sort of this greater mind or a collective unconscious or something that we're kind of snorting like some kind of a drug. But it's really more of an inspiration, meaning we're inspiring or inhaling or breathing in inspiration. And then through that breath, through our nose, we're able to weave out from our mouth words that we share. So I have another layer here I'll make visible to kind of show the evolution of this form to kind of fill out the inner life of this person. I've used purple to kind of make it easier to see what's going on. So she has her web in her mind because we live in your mind. And the skull.
1: Connected to a spine.
7: You can kind of see what the spine is made up of.
3: Love that.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it's that's great. penetrating, bro. That's beautiful. The spine is the yeah. words. Nice. Uh,
7: yeah, if you <laughs> can kind of tilt your head to the left, 90 degrees, you might be able to read some some weaves and letters of the spine. Wait, to so the
8: left. My spine does
1: that. Oh, yeah. Nice. Right. Are you single? <laughs>
4: <laughs>
7: oh, that's a, a great speaker. answer, okay. Alan.
1: Okay.
4: an excellent answer, Alan.
7: So, deciding if the, <laughs> the spider will be, will it be white, will it be black, will it be another color? This is an a- example of if we were to do a two color design having white and purple or perhaps a different color. And then I thought, well, maybe there's, maybe there's something missing here. We kind of go purple, then it kind of fills out the brain noodles. Our, um, we think with our noodle, A noodle is another word for our brain. We're very smart people here. But we're getting this inspiration from somewhere outside of ourselves. Or so we think, but maybe it's really inside of ourselves.
1: Yeah it's so oh,
7: the, the mind body duality here that's at play we think that we're separate from our mind but maybe our body and our mind are really one thing so this is sort of the basic that i started with to kind of conceptualize this idea and then i'd like to continue to i was going to say flesh it out i don't know if that's appropriate for this sort of art but
3: you know what? You're a maestro of the whole week of spiders. <laughs> you keep it together, dude. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's a, it's a brain noodle.
5: Hey, this is vibrant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey,
5: you know we'll what I mean. see We'll see about that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
7: and, uh, all all the streams of consciousness are always... Crossing, co-creating, interacting, and there's a light there, and I needed to add some light to this inner life. I didn't want her to be completely devoid of that. So in this other image, you have sort of a shadow, but maybe she's filled with light. The source of that light is maybe a heart shock or a candle in the darkness. So here's the same image without the color, and you can kind of see here how that might look. Printed on, imagine like a t-shirt, maybe maybe off center, maybe centered, maybe in the back of a, a hooded sweatshirt or something. And then I was adding more detail to it. So perhaps we'd add a heart somewhere here. And I don't know if the heart belongs in the body, but maybe it's, she's wearing it on her sleeve maybe. I don't know if it's anatomically correct, but then I'd like to add it. A candle to it because that's sort of the light of love. Make make it emotional. Lighthearted indeed. There's some humor to this image, certainly. The heart chakra is green, right? It could be. If, If you were to print this out, you could color this however you like, or you could trace the line work and improve upon it or alter it in any way. This is just kind of a proof of concept that I'm working on. And I don't know. If I need to make this other candle shape fit in somewhere with it, you know, does the candle go on the head? Does it go in the heart? Does it does it need to be placed I mean, the under mean, the I spider?
3: Does even need to be there? That's a just a man, dude. That's amazing.
7: Well just done. other elements I'm adding to it to see. Mm-hmm. And I can I can remove. I can add, if I fill it out, then make it as busy and complete as possible. And then as I trace over the lines again to see what lines are the essential lines, what is the minimum amount of lines I can to convey this message? What is the maximum? Where's the balance between the two? And does the heart and the candle, do they belong like inside? If I wanted to move those inside. Does that kind of make it too busy? Do I want to like fill out everything inside and put more symbols in it? Or is that just going to make it too busy?
6: I
2: think on that one, it might be. I like that one the way it is. It's fine. But I do like the idea of those symbols and those symbols on other designs. Right. But I like that you're playing with them too. That's fun. It looks gorgeous.
4: You could put the whole thing inside of the heart with the candle.
7: Yeah, I could certainly, you know, get that layer right. It's always clicking on the lines to move the item.
1: But it is. Maybe
7: pretty light a pretty fire pretty cool, under yeah. that spire.
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs> you can always change the size of things too. rotate them, flip them around. It's kind of like, um, Almost like a chalkboard. So
8: Allie, you did all that this
7: evening while you're just listening? I wish. I wouldn't. I don't want to say how long it's taken me to get to this stage in development. Mm-hmm. I can share some other works in progress.
4: No, I was just curious. I, yeah, I mean, sometimes I, things go really fast. Sometimes they take years. They I'm not really quickly. keeping oh,
7: track dear. of the clock and not really on the clock this is just kind of a passion project in a flow state so i don't know how long it's been but I mm-hmm. began, began yesterday alan
3: yes. did you see the spider that jim discovered in our weave on priapism
5: <laughs> just, <laughs> Priapus. just today people I, don't know about that weave when's it gonna be online jim what are we doing
6: <laughs> Keep it a secret.
5: Episode sixty-three: Weaving Spiders Welcome.
4: Oh yeah! What did you say it was uh, seventy-five dollars for access, Jim? That's what, I, that's what I paid. I gave you the seventy-five bucks, and you sent me a link to the file on on the in the cloud where you uploaded it. Wasn't that right? Oh yeah, it might be
1: available. Coming soon. We shall see.
8: Okay. See how I feel after uh, all of this. Maybe I'll release
3: it. Nice. So today, today I discovered a medical condition <clears throat> known as priapism.
7: It, I, t- it, I tried to end this share, and I accidentally clicked leave the studio. I'm still here.
3: <laughs> so I, I think it was in Jim. Was that in uh, the weaving spiders telegram? Did we had that? Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Nice. So, yeah, I put out this priapism Wikipedia link, and it's a condition of permanent erection. Mm. And then Jim comes back right away with this amazing spider that the toxin of the spider bite causes a permanent erection. Wow. And I think we found the official weaving spiders breed of spiders (laughs) (laughs) Mm. I think it was a wandering spider Mm. sounds Mm. uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) sounds horribly uncomfortable
4: I think that's the only context where I thought that maybe uh, castrating yourself finally does seem
2: reasonable
5: (laughs) I want to say to go go back to to
2: the hey guys
5: the uh, Crow 777 <laughs> episode. I'm ready for
2: my initiation.
5: <laughs> Today's uh, Crow 7 <laughs> episode with Dylan Sakoshio. Yeah. He brought up the fact that NASA, not an actual space agency, owes the majority of their data and knowledge to the ancients because they haven't even been around long enough to gather information on the scale that they claim to have it. And just that fact that there's medical conditions that are named after mythology makes one wonder how much of the miraculous modern medicine allopathic bullshit <laughs> is all is as effective as it is at causing harm because of the long history of pharmacia.
4: Yeah. That's what I think. I don't think it's new. They're, they haven't discovered anything. They're just practicing ancient black magic on the body by yeah. suppressing symptomology to make you feel better in the short
3: term charging you money it's it's not even full it's alchemy so separation purification reunification they just separate and they have these salts they give us they don't they don't purify maybe they do but they don't reunify so the spagyrics would be the real medicine correct yeah and what they're practicing is this half-ass poison but they're
2: practicing marketing the magic of marketing Oh, Bernays again. It is. That's exactly what it is. Marketing is the most powerful
4: thing that they're doing is marketing, absolutely. Where's he buried?
2: Look at this. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it fancy and modern? (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, wow, it is. I'm sure whatever they say
3: it is is not where he actually is. Yeah. Are you going to dig him up, snake? Yeah, I need a new piss pot. You gotta go put a put a stake in his heart. Yeah, I got a permanent donor. I need something to skull fuck. <laughs> 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 at, <laughs> at the very least.
0: Oh my god, guys! At the very least, it deserves an earth pipe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's
7: just talking said. about skulls. Earth talking <laughs> about land pipe. Penetrating <laughs> uh, art. This is definitely a weaving. Penetrating art. Uh, <laughs> Welcome after dark stream. Now I'm sorry, guys. not the very,
1: the very arousing no, conversation. No, no.
6: <laughs> Why
0: did I have to read young?
4: Nice. If you, if you can't scalp fun? them. You got a fuck yes. on. That's the new policy. Sweet. Nice.
2: Playing with calligraphy pens.
4: Yeah.
1: Sure. To see
2: if I can make runes cool. look fancy.
3: Nice. I love how
1: your hands
2: match, yeah,
4: baby.
3: Thanks. <laughs> All right. Is it Martin's turn?
4: Yeah, that was who was next. Yes. I'm yes. ready. I'm waiting
1: patiently. All right. For
8: there it is Zanoni, a Rosicrucian tale. Sweet. By Sir Edward Bulwer Lytton. Or Lytton, however you want to say it. There he
1: is. <clears throat> Preface
8: Edward Bulwer Lytton was born in London on May 25th, 1803. In his autobiography, he reported an incident which, in a sense, indicated something of his later task and importance. When I was yet in arms, a man with a wild air, abruptly stopped my nurse in the streets and, looking upon me, asked
1: whose son I was. My
8: nurse replied that I was the son of General Bulwer. The stranger then, with much solemnity, took me in his arms and uttered a prophecy to the purpose that I was to be Greater than my father, and something quite remarkable. He then threw me back to the awe stricken nurse and darted off with such rapidity that, in telling her story in later times, she may probably have said that he suddenly vanished. Personal tragedy marked his childhood and youth, climaxed by the death of his early love. When he was 21, he visited her grave remaining there through an entire night. Later, he recalled, What I suffered in one long, solitary night, I will not say. At dawn, I turned from the place as if rebaptized or reborn. I recovered the healthful tone of my mind, and the stage of experience and feeling through which my young life had passed contributed largely to render me whatever I have since become. These two experiences point to a kind of early spiritual development, for in a sense, they opened the way to the ecoteric insight which characterized his subsequent years. After his studies at Cambridge, where among other notables, he met Macaulay, developing as a result an intense interest in classical history, which was to serve him well, particularly in his the last days of Pompeii, and his Rienzi, Leighton traveled the length and breadth of Britain. His visit to the social reformer Robert Owen, in whose work he was deeply interested, was a high point in his journey, an event he often recalled later. Bulwer Leighton's marriage was not destined to bring him happiness, though he became the father of two children, a boy and a girl. After 10 years, the marital relationship ended in legal separation in 1863, or 36, excuse me, the year the idea of Zanoni first came to him. His grandson reported that in 1835, his reading had included some medieval treatises upon astrology and the so-called occult sciences. And in the following year, while his mind was occupied with these studies, the character of Mejnour. And the main outlines of the story of Zunoni were inspired inspired by a dream. Boer Leighton's creative energy was remarkable. Novelist, dramatist, scholar, editor, and active member of parliament all at the same time, he was nevertheless a man of poor health and always had to take great care in the use of his strength. He enjoyed tremendous success as an author. His writings were read widely on the continent, as well as in England. That bulwer Lytton was a Rosicrucian is a matter of historical record. For details, consult a Christian Rosenkreutz anthology edited by Paul M. Allen and Carlo Pietzner, Rudolf Steiner Publications. One important indication on this subject is to be found in a letter bulwer Lytton wrote on July 3rd, 1870. There are reasons why I cannot enter into the subject of the Rosicrucian Brotherhood, a society still existing, but not under any name by which it can be recognized by those outside its pale. Some time ago, a sect, pretending to style itself Rosicrucian and arrogating full knowledge of the mysteries of the craft, communicated with me, and in reply I sent them the cipher sign of the initiate, initiate, not one of them could construe it. <clears throat> Rudolf Steiner, the Australian Austrian philosopher and educator, spoke with appreciation of the work of Bulwer-Lighton, particularly of his Zanoni, of which he said on one occasion, one who understands what is said in it will read it with much profit. Aside from the story itself, the artistry of the composition of the book expressed in its extraordinary thematic developments its style and inner structure makes clear to the perceptive reader that here is a most significant work of the creative human spirit for example it will be noted that the novel is divided into seven parts following an all-important introduction the titles of these parts give indication of a sevenfold path of spiritual development lying behind the, so- the story itself the fourth or central section titled the dweller of the threshold is a highly significant expression of profound occult facts and experiences, which can be recognized as veritable by anyone possessing a degree of spiritual insight. Indeed, this section is, as Bulwer-Lighton once said of Zanoni as a whole, a truth for those who can comprehend it and an extravagance for those who cannot. Again, the figures of Mejnur and Zanoni, one meets bearers of ancient mystery wisdom, one of them eternally old, the other eternally young. The one is the bearer of wisdom without warrant of love, the other is the bearer of the impulse of love and helpfulness towards other human beings. Here is shown the eternal conflict between wisdom and love, the head and the heart, which can and must ultimately be solved through spiritual initiation. The novel shows how this conflict manifests itself in the experience of Glyndon, the neophyte, striving for initiation and meeting the guardian of the threshold unprepared, in the struggle of Viola to shun initiation, in the tragedy of the orphan son of Zanoni, friendless and in prison, the one to whom Zanoni had longed above all to pass his spiritual wisdom. But who at last is left to the care of God, the working of destiny into Zanoni, perhaps more than any other of his novels, bore poured all of the ancient occult wisdom he felt he could be he felt could be revealed to the public in an age when materialism raged rampant upon the earth. Sounds familiar. Today, in Rudolf Steiner's Science of Spirit, this spiritual wisdom is offered freely and openly in terms suited to the needs, capacities, and consciousness of modern men and women. In the light of this science of spirit, Bulwer-Lighton-Zanoni stands as one of the great pioneer landmarks of profound esoteric value, of lasting interest, and importance of our time. M. Allen. <laughs> Shall I continue with the introduction? Okay, I will. It is possible that among my readers, there may be a few not unacquainted with an old bookshop, existing some years since in the neighborhood of Covet Garden. I say a few, for certainly there was little enough to attract the many in those Precious volumes which the labor of a life had accumulated on the dusty shelves of my old friend D. There were to be found no popular treatises, no entertaining romances, no histories, no travels, no library for the people, no amusement for the million. But there, perhaps throughout all Europe, the curious might discover the most notable collection ever amassed by an enthusiast of the works of alchemists. Kabbalist, and astrologer. I'd like to go there. The owner had lavished a fortune in the purchase of unsaleable treasures, but old deed did not desire to sell. It absolutely went to his heart when a customer entered his shop. He watched the movements of the presumptuous intruder with a vindictive glare. He fluttered around him with uneasy vigilance. He frowned. He groaned. When profane hands dislodged his <laughs> idols from their niches. <laughs> if it were one of the favorite sultanas of his wizard harem that attracted you, and the price named were not sufficiently enormous, <laughs> he, would not, he would not unfrequently double the sum. <laughs> Demure and in brisk hands. A seed and he became the picture of despair. Nor unfrequently at the dead of night would he knock at your door and entreat you to sell him back at your own terms what you had so egregiously bought bought at his. A believer himself in his avarose and paracelsus, he was as loath as the philosophers he studied to communicate to the profane. The learning he had collected. Excuse me. It so chanced that some years ago, in my younger days, whether of authorship or life, I felt a desire to make myself acquainted with the true origin and tenets of singular sect known by the name of Rosicrucians. Dissatisfied with the scanty and superficial accounts to be found in the works usually referred to on the subject. It struck struck me as possible that Mr. D.'s collection, which was rich, not only in black letter, but in manuscripts, might contain some more accurate and authentic records of that famous brotherhood written, who knows, by one of their own order and confirming by authority and detail the pretensions to wisdom and to virtue, which the brin and had arrogated to the successes of the Chaldean and gymnosophists. Accordingly, I repaired to what, doubtless I ought to be ashamed to confess, was once one of my favorite haunts. But are there no errors and no fallacies in the chronicles of our own day as is absurd as those of the alchemists of old? Our very newspapers seem to our posterity as full of delusions as the books of the alchemists do to us, but not what the press is, the air we breathe, and uncommonly foggy, the air is, too. (laughs) On entering the shop, I was struck by the venerable appearance of a customer who I I had never seen there before. I was struck yet more by the respect with which he was treated by the disdainful, disdainful collector. Sir, cried the last emphatically as I was turning over the leaves of the catalog. Sir, you are the only man I have met in five and 40 years that I have spent in the, these researchers who is worthy to be my customer. How? Where? In this frivolous age could you have found a knowledge so profound and this august fraternity whose doctrines hinted at by the earliest philosophers are still a mystery to the latest tell me if there is really if there really exists upon the earth any book any manuscript in which their discoveries their tenets are to be learned at the words august fraternity I need scarcely say that my attention had been at once aroused, and I listened eagerly for the stranger's reply. I do not think, said the old gentleman, that the masters of the school have ever consigned, except by obscure hint and mystical parable, their real doctrines to the world, and I do not blame them for their discretion. Here he paused and seemed about to retire when I said something abruptly to the collector. I see nothing, Mr. D., in this catalog, which relates to the Rosicrucians. (laughs) The Rosicrucians, repeated the old gentleman, and in his turn he surveyed me with deliberate surprise. Who but a Rosicrucian could explain the Rosicrucian mysteries? And can you imagine that any members of that sect, the most jealous of all secret societies, would themselves lift the veil that hides the Isis of their wisdom from the world? Aha, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this then is the, the august fraternity of which you spoke. Heaven be praised. I certainly have stumbled on one of the brotherhood. <laughs> But, I said aloud, if not in books, sir, where else am I to obtain the information? Nowadays, one can hazard nothing in print without authority, and one may scarcely quote Shakespeare without citing chapter and verse. This is, a, is the age of facts. The age of facts, sir. Well, said the old gentleman with a pleasant smile, if we meet again, perhaps, at least, I may direct your researchers to the proper source of intelligence. And with that, he buttoned his greatcoat, coat, whistled to his dog, and departed. It so happened that I did meet again with the old gentleman exactly four days after our brief, brief conversation in Mr. D's sh- bookshop. I was riding leisurely towards Highgate when, at the foot of its classic hill, I recognized the stranger. He was mounted on a black pony, and before him trotted his dog, which was also black. If you meet a man whom you wish to know on horseback at the commencement of a long hill where, unless he has borrowed a friend's favorite hack, he cannot, in decent humanity to the brute creation, ride away from you, I apprehend that it is your own fault if you have not gone far in your object before you have gained the top. In short, so well did I succeed that, on reaching Highgate, the old gentleman invited me to rest at his house, which was a little apart from the village. And an excellent house it was, small but commodious, with a large garden and commanding from the windows such a prospect as Lucretius would recommend to philosophers. The spires and domes of London on a clear day distinctly visible. Here, the retreat of the hermit, and and there, the mere magnum of the world. The walls of the principal rooms were embellished with pictures of extraordinary merit, and in that high school of art, which is so little understood out of Italy, I was surprised to learn that they were all from the hand of the owner. My evident admiration pleased my new friend and led me and led to talk upon his part, which showed him no less elevation in his theories of art than an adept in the practice. Without fatiguing the reader with irrelevant criticism, it is necessary, perhaps, as elucidating much of the design and character of the work which these prefactory pages introduce that i should briefly observe that he insisted as much upon connect the connection of the arts as a distinguished author has upon that of the sciences that he held that in all works of imagination whether expressed by words or by colors the artist is of the higher school schools must make the broadest distinction between the real and the true in other words between the imitation of actual life and the exaltation of nature into the ideal. Wow. Yeah. The one, he said, is the Dutch school. The other is the Greek. Sir, said I, the Dutch is the most in fashion. Yes, in painting, perhaps, answered my host. But in literature? It was of literature I spoke. Our growing poets are all for simplicity and Betty Foy, and our critics hold it the highest praise of a work of imagination to say that its characters are exact to common life, even in sculpture. In sculpture? No, no. There, the high ideal must at least be essential. Pardon me. I fear you have not seen Souter Johnny and Tam O'Shanter. Ah, said the old gentleman, shaking his head. I live very much out of the world, I see. I suppose Shakespeare has ceased to be admired. On the contrary, people make the adoration of Shakespeare the excuse for attacking everybody else. But then our critics have discovered that Shakespeare is so real. Real? The poet who has never once drawn a character to be be met with in actual life, who has never once descended to a passion that is false or a personage who is real i was about to reply very severely to this paradox when i, I perceived that my companion was growing a little out of temper <laughs> and he who wishes to catch a rosicrucian must take care not to disturb the waters oh. i thought it better therefore to return the co- to turn the conversation Revenons no maton Yeah a little shaky French there, said I, you promised to enlighten my ignorance as to the Rosicrucians. Well, quoth he rather sternly, uh, but for what purpose? Perhaps you desire only to enter the temple in order to ridicule the rites. What do you take me for? Surely, were I so inclined, the fate of the Abbe de Villard? is a sufficient warning to all men not to treat idly the realms of the salamander and the sylph. Everybody oh, knows how... Boom! Salamander and the sylph. Do you guys hear that? Pendar! Everybody knows how mysteriously that ingenious personage was deprived of his life in revenge for the witty mockeries of his comte de Gabali. Salamander and Sylph, I see that you fall into the vulgar error and translate literally the allegorical language of the mystics. With that, the old gentleman condescended to enter into a very interesting and, as it seemed to me, a very erudite relation of the tenets of the Rosicrucians, some of whom, he asserted, still existed and still prosecuted in August secrecy their profound researches into natural science and occult philosophy but this fraternity said he however respectable and virtuous virtuous i say for no monastic order is more severe in the practice of moral precepts or more ardent in the christian faith this fraternity is but a branch of others yet more transcendent in the powers they have obtained and yet more illustrious in their origin are you acquainted with the platonists i have occasionally lost my way in their labyrinth said i faith they are rather difficult gentlemen to understand yet their naughtiest problems have never been published their sublimest works are in manuscript and constitute the initiatory learning not only not only of rosicrucians but of the nobler brotherhoods i have referred to, more solemn and sublime still is knowledge to be gleaned from the elder Pythagoreans and the immortal masterpieces of Apollonius. Apollonius, the imposter of Tyanea, Are his writings extant? Imposter! Cried my host. Apollonius, an imposter? I beg your pardon. I did not know he was a A friend of yours, and if you vouch for his character, I will believe him to have been a very respectable man who only spoke the truth when he boasted of his power to be in two places at the same time. Is that so difficult? said the old gentleman. If so, you have never dreamed. Good point. Here ended our conversation. But from that time, an acquaintance was formed between us, which lasted till my venerable friend departed this life. Peace be to his ashes. He was a person of singular habits and eccentric opinions, but the chief part of his time was occupied in acts of quiet and unostentatious goodness. He was an enthusiast in the duties of the Samaritan, and his virtues were softened by the gentlest charity. So his hopes were based upon the devoutest belief. He never conversed upon his own origin and history, nor have I ever been able to penetrate the darkness in which they were concealed. He seemed to have seen much of the world and to have been an eyewitness to the first French Revolution, a a subject upon which he was equally eloquent and instructive. At the same time, he did not regard the crimes of that stormy period with the philosophical leniency with which enlightened writers, their heads safe upon their shoulders, are in the present day inclined to treat the massacres of the past. He spoke not as a student who had read and reasoned, but as a man who had seen and suffered. The old gentleman seemed alone in his in, in the world, nor did I know that he had one relation till his executor, a distant cousin, residing abroad, informed me of the very handsome legacy which my poor friend had bequeathed me. This consisted first of a sum about which I think is it best to be guarded for seeing the possibility of a new tax upon real and funded property and secondly of certain precious manuscripts to which the following volumes owe their existence i imagine i traced this latter request to a visit i paid the sage if so i may be permitted to call him a few weeks before his death although he read little of our modern literature my friend with the affable good nature which belonged to him Graciously permitted me to consult him upon various literary undertakings meditated by the desultory ambition of a young and inexperienced student, and at that time, I sought his advice upon a work of imagination intended to depict the effects of enthusiasm upon my different upon different modifications of character. He listened to my conception, which was sufficiently trite and prosaic with his usual patience, and then thoughtfully turning to his bookshelf, took down an old volume and read to me, first in Greek and secondly in English, some extracts to the following effect. Plato here expresses four kinds of mania by which I desire to understand enthusiasm and the inspiration of the gods. first. Musical, secondly, the telestic or mystic, thirdly, the prophetic, and fourthly, that which belongs to love. The author he quoted after contending that there is something in the soul above intellect and stating that there are in our nature distinct energies by the one of which we discover and seize, as it were, on sciences and theorems with almost intuitive rapidity by another, through which high art is accomplished, like the statues of Phidias, proceeding to state that enthusiasm in the true exception of the word is when that part of the soul, which is above intellect, is excited to the gods and thence derives its inspiration. The author then, pursuing his comment upon Plato, observes that one of these manias may suffice, especially that which belongs to love, to lead back the soul to its first divinity and happiness, but that there is an intimate union with them all, and that the ordinary progress through which the soul ascends is primarily through the musical, next through the telestic or mystic, thirdly through the prophetic, and lastly, through the enthusiasm of love. While with a bewildered understanding and a reluctant attention, I listened to these intricate sublimities, my advisor closed the volume and said with complacency, there is the motto for your book, the thesis. There is the motto for your book, the thesis for your theme. Give us some Non-Oedipus. I don't know, that's Greek or something. (laughs) Said I, I, shaking my head, but discontentedly, all this may be exceedingly fine, but heaven forgive me. I don't understand a word of it. The mysteries of your Rosicrucians and your fraternities are mere child's play to the jargon of the Platonists yet not till you rightly understand this passage can you understand the higher theories of the rosicrucians or of the still nobler nobler fraternities you speak of with so much levity oh if that can be if that be the case i give up in despair why not since you are so well versed in the matter take the motto for your for a book of your own but if I have already composed a book with that thesis for its theme, will you prepare it for the public? With the greatest pleasure, said I, alas, too rashly, I shall hold you to your promise, returned the old gentleman. And when I am no more, you will receive the manuscripts from what you say of the prevailing taste in literature. I can, cannot flatter you with the hope that you will gain much by the Undertaking, and I tell you beforehand that you will find it not a little laborious. Is your work a romance? It is a romance. <laughs> and it is not a romance. It is a truth for those who can comprehend it and an extravagance for those who cannot. At last there arrived the manuscripts with a brief note from my deceased friend reminding me of the imprudent promise. With a mournful interest and yet with eager impatience, I opened the packet and trimmed my lamp. Conceive my dismay when I found the whole written in an unintelligible cipher. I present the reader reader with a specimen. Here's the cipher. Can you see that?
3: It's a Nokian is a mofo.
5: (laughs) I like how your color changing light was making the page look too. It was super trippy. I don't know how we got vertical. There we go.
8: Wow. Oh, vertical was cool.
5: (laughs) No. There's there's, there's
8: uh, one more page in the introduction here.
5: This is great, Martin. Thank you.
8: Yes, this is a treasure. You bet. And so on for 940 mortal pages in fool's cap. I could scarcely believe my eyes. In fact, I began to think the lamp burned singularly blue and sundry misgivings as to the unhallowed nature of the characters I had so unwittingly opened upon coupled with the strange hint and mystical language of the old gentleman, crept through my discorded imagination. Certainly, to say no worse of it, the whole thing looked uncanny. I was about precipitately to hurry the papers into my desk with a pious determination to have nothing more to do with them when my eye fell upon a book, neatly bound in blue Morocco, and which, in my eagerness, I had hitherto Overlooked. I opened this volume with great precaution, not knowing what, what might jump out, and, guess my delight, found that it contained a key or dictionary to the hieroglyphics. Not to weary the reader with an account of my labors, I am contented with saying that at last I, I imagined myself capable of construing the characters and set to work in good earnest. Still, it was no easy task, and two years elapsed before I had made much progress. I then, by way of experiment on the public, obtained the insertion of a few desultory chapters in a periodical with, with which, for a few months, I had the honor to be connected. They appeared to excite more curiosity than I had presumed to anticipate, and I renewed with better heart my laborious undertaking. But now a new misfortune befell me. I found as I proceeded that the author had made two copies of his work, one much more elaborate and detailed than the other, and I had stumbled upon the earlier copy and had my whole task to to remodel and the chapters I had written to retranslate. I may say then that exclusive of intervals devoted to more pressing occupations My unlucky promise cost me the toil of several several years before I could bring it to, to adequate fulfillment. The task was the more difficult, since the style in the original was written in a kind of rhythmical prose, as if the author desired that in some degree his work should be regarded as one of poetical conception and design. To this, it was not possible to do justice. And in the att- in the attempt, I have doubtless very often need of the reader's indulgent consideration. My natural respect for the old gentleman's vagaries with a muse of equivocal character must be my only excuse whenever the language, without luxuriating into verse, borrows flowers scarcely natural to prose. Truth compels me also to confess that, with all my pains. I am by no means sure that I have invariably given the true meaning of the cipher, nay, that here and there either a gap in the narrative or the sudden assumption of a new cipher to which no key was afforded has obliged me to resort to interpolations of my own, no doubt easily discernible, but which I flatter myself are not inharmonious to the general design. No key.
1: What's that? No key. He says,
8: no, no key. It's Enochian. Ah, this confession leads me to the sentence with which I shall conclude. If reader in this book, there be anything that pleases you. It is certainly mine. But when you come to something you dislike, lay the blame (laughs) upon the old gentleman. (laughs) London, January 1842.
1: Wow.
3: Wow. Okay, so it's he met. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's I think it's steeped in all kinds of uh all kinds of codes, nice. So he meets the he re- reunites with the gentleman after the first time in the shop. He meets mm-hmm. him at Highgate.
8: Highgate, yeah.
3: And he says it twice. Highgate is HG. That's Mercury. Hmm. And he mentions it two times. That's
5: the twins at the top of a bridge. The gate is also the equinox. So the high gate would be like, this was the vernal equinox. They met at the high ram. It's a Hiram, a Biff, a higher mind, of God type uh, metaphor too.
3: Yeah. That's yeah. There's, there was so much in there.
8: That that was awesome. That's good stuff, guys. I like what you're getting there.
3: Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to play this back and listen. I might be taking even more notes. That was really good. Yeah, what's the title again, please?
4: Zanoni? Zanoni, because it reminds me of a book a friend sent me that I haven't finished called
1: Edadorfa. So, hold on. Z A N O N I. We've got. Zion.
3: Uh-huh. On Zion.
1: For Z-I-O-N. I just
5: put it on the screen, but this is Enochian. Yes. Yes. What do you make of the blue book that just happens to have the key to the cipher?
3: Yeah. And when he put that on the screen, the screen turned blue.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. You yeah, have a color-changing light. Good.
2: I mean, yeah. that's what I would do. I mean, I wouldn't include something in another language if I didn't also give you the key.
4: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. When you said that's what I would do, I thought you were saying that you were like the screen and you would also turn blue.
2: <laughs> I might. You just, it's subtle, so. <laughs>
8: like your sun gazer chance.
1: I'm just worry. ripping
8: off SB. <laughs> nice. Well Yeah,
4: I figured uh, somebody said costume change, so at least I could do is accommodate.
3: Here's what I'm working <laughs> on. So, any of that. In, in my little series this week, I read off the six precepts of the Rosicrucian order. And let me see if I can pull them up again. Um but uh you know and and so after I made that series, it occurred to me I should have mentioned Paracelsus. Um because Paracelsus has a R and a C in the middle of his name, and that is a Rosicrucian Rosicrucian nudge nudge wink wink. RC yeah. And he um Paracelsus, I have a little joke that I've just stumbled upon on my own, but I can't go without saying it so Paracelsus is like uh one of the godfathers of holistic medicine. He was also castrated. The story is that his father castrated him at a young age because they lived in a at a mountain town where all of the travelers were passing through, like if you wanted to go from this major city to the other. You had to go through this town. Mm. So the rumor, the myth, is that his dad castrated him so that he would not catch any venereal diseases from all the travelers in the in their town. And then, strangely enough, he becomes a traveler when he grows older, and he grows all across the lands uh, studying uh, obscure medicine traditions. And so in the strangest way... Being was he to figure out how to grow it back? <laughs> nice. He was. <laughs> think
5: of all the people throughout the world that his dad saved from venereal disease by, <laughs> because he would have been traveling everywhere, hoeing around.
3: Isn't that crazy? And that becomes, that actually, I think, <clears throat> becomes a tradition of the messenger. The messenger has to go and cross borders. But I think the messengers are castrated also, so they won't catch anything. And so having the idea of a seal, like sealing up a thing, is a very alchemical thing. It's a hermetic seal. But we also know that the scar of castration is called the golden seal. And so it's, uh, in a strange way, to be a messenger requires that you are castrated so that you don't transmit diseases across boundaries or barriers. Hmm. And so here's my joke. Paracelsus is the godfather of holistic medicine, or is he the godfather of whole less dick? He had a whole less dick.
4: (laughs) That's great, dude. <laughs> I wish Paracelsus was here to laugh because he'd laugh. I know. your dad jokes.
3: <laughs> so let me see if you I can... You really it.
4: love your dad to make a joke about him not having a dick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so yeah, there's uh, six tenants of early Rosicrucian, the Rosicrucian order.
1: And one of them is that R.C. will
3: forever be like a call sign of the Rosicrucians, Um, which makes me think of Alistair Crowley. He had the C.R. Like he had it reversed in his name. But he was so further ahead in time.
5: Um, Just hop in, Kaylee, if you got a thing. You look like so what top. that
0: RC, I do, so that RC, <clears throat> that's interesting. Um, you say RC, I don't think Rosicrucian. I actually think of this particular um, essential oil blend from Young Living titled RC for that respiratory care. But nice. holistic, holistic health, essential oil. Interesting.
2: Just kind of.
7: I hear RC Cola. Yeah, I was just going to say, I heard someone, I think Jem maybe cracked open a can of, uh,
2: that's (laughs) not RC
7: Cola, is it? Interesting. Nice. I love Um, it. The RC Cola.
3: So here in in the front page of the chapter on Rosicrucians, it has Benjamin Franklin finding, you know, throwing the key up in the air. Discovering allegedly electricity, which was a thing way before him, but oh, yeah. um, but uh, you know the Rosicrucians they they put their claim in Philadelphia. The history of Philadelphia is like a resurgence of Rosicrucian insight, and it has another thing. One of some of the call signs for Rosicru- or, yeah, for Rosicrucians and Hermetic knowledge is. Uh, they really venerate mercury hermes and some of the signs for hermes i have discovered are uh hg and gh also ph and hp these are all uh all signs of hermes and it's a it's a long story to get into but the name philadelphia has two phs it has twin Twin ph's, okay. uh, which uh, I just discovered on camera the other day, it was pretty, really exciting for me. <laughs> so, here I've got I found the uh, six uh precepts to make no public profession of superior knowledge and to heal the sick free of charge. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice! Your ph meter, I recognize that tool. Now you got a whole, a whole more dick. Your dipstick. (laughs) It's your dipstick. (laughs) So number two is to wear no special garment, but to dress according to the custom of the country in which they lived. Which I find very interesting because in your story, he specifies that he's buttoning up a gray coat. And so here we have like the color gray is mercurial. We have him dressing in an unpresuming color or fashion. And in modern day spycraft, the term a gray man is a person who dresses unassumingly on purpose to be unseen or unnoticed. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like the modern-day spycraft is observing ancient precepts of the Rosicrucians. Wow. So number three, to return to the house of the Holy Spirit on a certain day each year for the purpose of mutual help and instruction. And that comes up in your story in the part where he's saying, I've been to the temple of the... Greeks or these ancient philosophers, I've traveled through their temple and they're referring to their, the gnosis of their books as a actual physical place you can go to mentally, which is really beautiful to me that that came up in the, in that story. Number four, to seek a worthy person, to secede each member. And here we have member. Which is kind of funny <laughs> um but it seems in the story as though he was hoping to become the person that he would hand down the knowledge to, and in the end he was yeah. he gained he gained that trust, and so the 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 fella the he the Rosicrucian gave him that knowledge in a code that he had to decipher.
0: I love that it starts out with the description of the gentleman
3: with his dog like the fool card like the fool card bingo bango (laughs) okay I got one for
5: you there Gabriel yeah you brought up Philadelphia Uh and I hadn't made this link before but you've heard of Philip, which means lover of horses right there's um well, Philadelphia starts with a similar beginning. And in ancient Rome, there was a festival called the Consualia. Yeah, the Consuelia Festival. And it was in honor of Consus, who is uh, also called Neptune Equestris. And he's uh, the god of hidden councils, the god of secret deliberations, or the concealer of secrets. So he's linked with Philip because his festival, um, well, he's Neptune equestrus, so there's that. But his festival days, uh, you were not allowed to, your horses were given rest. They are not allowed to be worked at all during that time. So there's more about Philip and Consus you could get into. But I just think that's interesting because Philadelphia, what happened at Philadelphia? Was there a secret deliberation? Yes. And is it a place of concealed secrets? Yes. Is Philadelphia right. consecrated to Consus? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think yeah. it could be. I love it.
1: Society's at Neptune, man, I'm telling
0: you.
3: Yeah. It's
0: not all fucking rainbows and fucking butterflies. Right.
6: <laughs>
3: and here here is uh Gordy's We're going hippo to the, 5G, camp. Man. the the hippocamp that Gordy discovered the horse the, the, the horse of the sea the horse sea
5: there's also one other thing from what martin read there was a part where he called them the mayor magnus which would be like the chief mayor or yeah. the highest mayor the greatest mayor but a mayor is a may son because or is an old word for son yeah
4: mayor wire is a horse too
5: and mayor, yes. yeah, that breaks of course. Yeah. Yes, mayor.
3: yeah. And mayor in Latin is major, the greatest, the highest.
5: Oh yeah, there you go.
3: Yeah, that's why I'm sure that's why it's mayor, right? Right. And
0: and this is just dissecting the introduction. That wasn't even the first chapter. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, we, need we need to get off the internet and read more books, guys.
4: Uh, yeah I there know. was so just, there was so, so just
5: much in world and
4: read more of them aloud to one another at least as a compromise
5: it yeah. is pretty fun
3: so well, number number 5 is to adopt the letters rc as their sign and mark their sign and their mark to and number 6 is to keep the existence of the fraternity a secret for a period of 100 years
6: mm-hmm.
3: and that's the
4: last one yeah, I think we're on year 98 right now or year 102 or something. <laughs> it seems like all this shit's certainly jumping out all of a sudden, right? Yeah.
1: That was great.
3: Martin, thank you so much, man. Thanks a lot, man.
8: Yeah, you bet. I'll uh, I'll read the next, or the first chapter next Wednesday. How's that sound? All right, to be continued. I was hoping we would get more Martin. I can read more. We need fresh blood
5: and uh, your fresh elder blood. It's kind of kind of an oxymoron, but <laughs> all
1: right. Well
5: let's do it. All right. You just gotta get a spider tattoo on your forehead. Or you can have it dangling from a web under your eye like a teardrop.
0: Okay. I'd like I'd like to I'd like to add to this horse discussion, okay? Okay. Um have any of you seen uh, Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog?
5: No, nope. that's the one with the um,
0: all you fucking nerds and nobody's seen Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog. Really?
5: He's the new demiurge now too in the Matrix Four, right?
0: It is with Neil Patrick Harris,
7: the Analyst,
0: as the like anti-hero. Anyway, the he's applying to be a part of the evil League of Evil who is headed by Bad Horse. They even sing a song at one point about he'll make you his mare. Nice.
1: Wow. Mm.
0: An evil horse.
5: Wow. Thinking about...
2: Wasn't that BoJack?
5: <laughs> that.
0: Could have been. Anyway, it was directed <laughs> by Joss, Joss Wheaton.
2: Interesting.
3: That makes me think about if life was fair, the horses would ride half the time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I almost uh, put my handle in instead of Girth Brooks. This is my. This is true. It's horse lover fat. Now I know why. Well, Girth Brooks
1: kind
4: of still applies to you. I mean, you know, he's the false cowboy, but still a cowboy nonetheless. <laughs>
7: I like to listen to your Philip K. Dick jokes.
1: Who's got those? Not me. We could come up with some. What did Philip K. Dick say when he went to the grocery
3: store? (laughs) That's a nice pink bean you got there.
5: (laughs) I'm going to read like two paragraphs from July's end. Not even a full two paragraphs. Okay. The honoring of horses to celebrate Consus links him to Philip, the lover of horses, and Sagittarius, the mighty hunter. Keep the Neptune symbolism in mind, as it connects him to Venus and Cupid. Consu is sometimes depicted with the plated lock of Harpocrates falling from the side of his head. This symbolizes childhood. Harpocrates is the Hellenization of the Egyptian Harpa Kered, or Heru Pa Kered, meaning Horus the Child. Is it a coincidence that Harpocrates is a god of silence, secrets, and confidentiality? Like father, like son, or is the father the son? This brings the symbolism full circle back to Ninus, or Nimrod. Nimrod's the hunter also. (laughs) Nimrod, Sagittarius. The triple horn crown of celestial power that Harpocrates dons in some depictions, in addition to his two horns representing the physical force and sovereign power of Nimrod, confirms this connection. Ovid described it in Metamorphosis. Upon her Isis's brow stood the crescent moon horns garlanded with glittering heads of golden grains and grace of royal dignity. And at her side, the bang dog Anubis, dappled Apis, and sacred Bubastus, and the god who holds his finger to his lips for silence's sake. I just wanted to read that because we went from, we got ourselves back to Harpocrates, which is Alan's favorite. So,
4: what's the Bring real it. Hippocratic Oath? <laughs>
5: Oh my goodness! Hippocrates is different than Harpocrates or Hippocrates. Gabriel did so much work
3: on the Hippocratic Oath. We honestly need to write an article. Right, the actual oath today is shh, which in septenary right. is six six six.
5: It also sounds like a hiss.
3: Yeah. Chance, will you read the last like three sentences one more time? Something jumped right out at
5: me. The the Ovid part, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Ovid described it in Metamorphosis. Upon her Isis's brow stood the crescent moon horns, garlanded with glittering heads of golden grain, and grace of royal dignity. And at her side, the baying dog Anubis, dappled Apis, sacred Bubastis, and the god who holds his finger to his lips for his for silence's sake. So you've got Anubis. Yeah. You got Apis. Anubis is like Thoth, right? Hermes. Uh Apis is the bull. A lot of symbolism with Apis to get into. Yeah. I think Apis is um, a root for Serapis, too.
7: I have the Harpocrates art shared. Do you have to approve that? There it is. Yeah, I have to put it on and off. Okay. Then how do I end the screen
5: share? When you're done, just tell me and I'll bring it down or you can cancel it completely. But if you
7: leave it. I want to make sure I don't leave the studio again.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll be able to see everything that you're looking at in the little window at the bottom if you leave it shared. So be careful. Uh
3: So one of the dogs of Cerberus you listed is Barbastus or Barbastus. And that is Paracelsus's name.
5: He's like, yeah, Barbastus. I remember that. Barbastus, Boombastus. This was Bubastus or Bubastus. Okay. But it's close. I mean, it's close enough. It's super close. Yeah. And that's interesting. So, Hades
3: has, or I'm sorry, um, Cerberus has three heads, right? And the seal, that golden seal, the castration scar, has the three loops. Yeah which matches the um, the alleged orbital retrogrades of Mercury, Hermes, the three loops on the path of Mercury.
5: So I just did a quick search for Boobastus. Uh, yeah, because Bubastis that's, the, that's the Mickey
4: Mouse head, and that's the three balls that are hanging outside of the... Uh, pawn shops. Pawn shop, yeah.
5: yeah. I got to wonder what... I mean... Obviously, Wikipedia and Google search is no longer going to give you good results and ancient things. But with Bubastis, that is only coming up, at least in the quick search, uh, for the goddess Bastet and the cult of the feline that was at a city in, in Egypt, allegedly, called Bubastus. So that's where they, according to the We Keep Idea people, it was The principal depository in Egypt for mummies of cats.
3: Yep, buddy. Yep. And Bast, she is known as the keeper of the jar. So, like, this goes back to my Ruth Bader Ginsburg
1: stuff, where she's like posed with her hand in the cookie jar. No, the keeper of the ointment jar.
3: And this is where. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and all the all the babies that go into the makeup industry. Some dark shit right there. I don't wanna that's I wanna be vague enough too, so I don't want to get into the details.
5: We know what you're talking about, at least I do.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sad but true. The ointment jar. That's so creepy. Like you gotta have a sick twisted sense of humor just to get these jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
6: There's Bastet. Just for the record,
5: according to We Keep Idea, I can't call it anything else now. <laughs> After no, you, you gave me that, Gabriel, it's perfect. You got yeah. more reading for us, or should I, I do some reading? I don't know.
4: Oh, well, I was supposed to be next. I'll read
5: next if I if I need to. Oh, you should. Okay, so I uh, like keeping the reading going when there's nine partiers because otherwise it can get a little unwieldy.
4: Because I'm working on a, I couldn't tell if Martin said sylph with a th or sylph with a ph.
5: We didn't even get into the salamanders and sylphs, and the point about I was a little unclear about if he was saying they are supposed to be seen as allegorical or if it was barbaric to see them as al- allegorical. They're supposed, supposed, be, supposed, they're supposed to be allegorical. Yeah, supposed to be. It, yeah, to see them as literal is to be profane. Well, that's actually like what there's lots of modern accounts of in Freemasonry that and uh, orders, orders like it, like Golden Dawn and stuff, they are teaching at least entry-level initiates about I mean, it's in their books about the sylphs and the salamanders and these elemental beings that you're meant to do all kinds of stuff with, but basically like have sex with them. (laughs) You got it.
4: Yeah. Well, not only that, uh, but I'm sure you've all seen how often it is that now that there's fairies on the internet and there's a famous theologian, uh, controversial, but famous named David Bentley Hart, who I do appreciate his work. Um, he uh, makes it a point to let everyone know that he definitely does believe in fairies and thinks that it's foolish not to believe in them. You know. <clears throat> okay, so this might turn out to be difficult, but I'll see how I do now. Just trying to see if it has the stupid S's and F's shared. It looks like it doesn't, so maybe it won't be so difficult. Um I found this book during a conversation with a friend and uh, he coincidentally decided to buy and send it to me at the very moment. The original book that inspired this book to be found at all was a book uh, about second sight that I bought at the most, uh, the most ancient occult bookstore in London called, um, is it called the Aquarius bookshop? I think that's what it is. No, Atlantis. It's the Atlantis bookshop. And there's a, brilliant old witch who owns the place and um, I think her name is Geraldine and somewhere in my saved playlist there's the talk that she gives on uh, Manly P. Hall that's better than anything else I've seen and she actually claims that he was murdered and that he was also a hermaphrodite but the book I bought was uh, also like stories about second sight and about fairies and I might have to look around but as you can see if I start to look for that book we're probably not going to get to reading this one I don't remember where it is right now, and I've not organized my library. Treatise on Second Sight by Theophilus Insulanus, And it says, Reverend Mr. Fraser, Mr. Martin, and John Aubrey Esquire, F.R.S. Let's see, let's read the imprint here. As when a shepherd of the Hebrew Isles placed... Far amid the melancholy main, whether it be lone fancy him beguiles or the aerial beings, sometimes deign, to stand embodied to our senses plain, seas on the naked hill or valley low, the whilst in ocean Phoebus dips his wane, a vast assembly moving to and fro, then all at once an air dissolves the wondrous show. Thompson. 1819, Glasgow, printed for J. Wiley and Company by Robert Chapman. 1819, Preface. Once again, treaties on the second site. The celebrated faculty on which the following treaties are composed, we think, may have partly had its origin in the atmospherical phenomenon most common to mountainous regions, taken advantage of by designing persons, received and heightened by all common cause of superstition and deceit. Viz melancholy naturally, weakness of sight, timid dispositions, and the levity of realtors. We allude to those appearances in the air caused by the unequal refraction of the sun's rays, such as the spectre of the broken, the fata morgana in Sicily, and the mirage in the hot sandy desert of Arabia, which makes arid plains seem a lake of pure water reflecting all the surrounding scenery. Such a view, says Dr. Clark, affords us ideas of the horrible despondency to which travelers must sometimes be exposed who, in traversing an interminable desert, destitute of water, and perishing with thirst, have this deceitful prospect before their eyes. Pomponatius, in his treatise to Incantation, with regard to those appearances, says that they are observed, but in the night, early in the morning, or towards the close of day. The air at these times being more replete with gross vapors, which by unequal disposure of their parts appear in a variety of images to the eye, but are dispersed by the heat of the sun. For we find often that in the twilight or moonshine strange figures of things appear to us which are caused by the various mixtures of light and shadows. We therefore question not, but a little skill in optics would have enabled Many to give a very consistent account of those strange idola, which from... Sorry, there's uh, some some poor printing here. I hope the whole thing doesn't carry on like this too long. So I'll keep trying here. We therefore question not, but a little skill in optics would have enabled many to give a very consistent account of those strange idola, which from the attestations of a few gross and ignorant spectators have been entered with so much solemnity in many registers of prodigious occurrences. We cannot illustrate our remarks better than by inserting the relation of a phenomenon similar to the specter of the broken, which was observed in the years 1743 and 44 on Mountain of Souter Fell in Cumberland. It excited much conversation and alarm at the time, and exposed to great ridicule those who asserted that they had witnessed it. It is, however, too well-attested not to deserve a short notice here. Saunterfell is a mountain above half a mile, enclosed on the north and west side by precipitous rocks, but somewhat more open on the east and easier of access. <clears throat> At Wilson Hall, within half a mile of this mountain, on on summer's evening in the year 1743, a farmer and his servant, sitting at the door, saw the figure of a man with a dog pursuing some horses along Fell side, a place so steep that a horse could scarcely travel on it. They appeared to run at an amazing pace till they got out of sight at the lower end of the fell. On the following morning, the farmer... And his servant ascended the steep side of the mountain and fell, expecting that they should find the man lying dead, being persuaded that the swiftness with which he ran must have killed him, and imagined also that they should pick up some of the shoes which they thought the horses must have lost, in galloping at so furious a rate. They were, however, disappointed, as not the least vestige of either man or horse appeared, not so much as the mark of a horse's hoof on the turf. On the 23rd of June of the following year, 1744, about half past seven in the evening, the same servant, then residing at Blake Hills, at an equal distance from the mountain, being in a field in front of the farmhouse, saw a troop of horsemen, riding on Sitterfell side in pretty close ranks and at a brisk pace. Having observed them for some time, he called out his young master, who, before the spot was pointed out to him, discovered the something troops. Serial? i can not sure. And this phenomenon was shortly after witnessed by the whole family. The visionary horseman appeared to come from the lower part of Sinterfell and were visible at a place called Knott's. They then moved in regular troops along the side of the fell till they came upon Blake's Blake Hills when they went over the mountain. They thus described a kind of curvilinear path, and their first as well as their last appearance was bounded by the foot of the mountain. Their pace was that of a regular swift walk, and they were seen for upwards of two hours... When darkness intervened, several troops were seen in succession and frequently the last or last, but one in the troop would quit his position, gallop to the front and then observe the same pace with the others. The same change was visible to all spectators and the sight was not confined to Blake Hills, but was witnessed by the inhabitants of the cottages within a mile. It was attested before a magistrate by the two cited individuals in the month of July 1785. Twenty-six persons are said in the attestation to have witnessed the march of these aerial travelers. It should be remarked that these appearances were observed on the eve of the rebellion when troops of horsemen might be privately exercising, and as the imitative powers of the specter of the broken demonstrate that the actions of human beings are sometimes pictured in the clouds. It seems highly probable, on a consideration of all the circumstances of this latter phenomenon on Cyder Fell, that certain thin vapors must have hovered around the summit of the mountain when the appearance was observed. And also it is also probable that these vapors may have been impressed with the shadowy forms which seem to imitate humanity by a particular operation of the sun's rays united with some singular but unknown refractive combinations then taking place in the atmosphere and that's just signed w must be the guy huh june 12th 1819 so I want to interrupt at this point and say if people have never seen the phenomenon that does happen at the top of mountains when the sun is positioned correctly so that it projects your own image onto the clouds. Maybe uh, if, if you guys haven't seen it, maybe we should stick it up on the screen real quick. I'm trying to remember the name of it. You know what I'm talking about, Jim? I'm looking at the wrong camera. No, what is it? What is it called? Let me see if I can find it. Um sorry to interrupt but if you guys don't know then it's worth it's worth to see it for sure it's amazing Um, it's an optical illusion yeah it's it's beautiful
1: say what so do you have to i said yeah pull it
4: up yeah let's see here i'll uh
1: do you have to be standing on the mountain for it to work
4: i think so yeah
3: this also this reminds me of what uh Buffalo and legs saw recently too, somewhat, yeah, yeah, not exactly, but similar.
8: I mean those lights, those lights yeah. in the sky
3: yeah, in and it's definitely got that liminal space component, you know, on the horizon, where the sky meets the earth, kind of thing Cool.
1: The way he's describing vapors
0: and stuff causing illusions. Broken uh, specter. So this is exact, this is what he's Get talking to. about. The
4: same thing. It's this he's describing the broken specter. Okay. So um let's just change the search to only broken specter. And then if you want to share if you want to let me share, I'll I'll push the button after that, chance. If
5: you hit the button, then it'll let me put it up.
4: Yeah. So
1: let's find the just
5: I stepped away, needed to stretch and walk around. Let I'm the sure. dog out.
1: It's eleven eleven
0: in my time zone.
5: Oh, it's twelve eleven. So okay. <laughs> and I found something to read that is totally random, and it's it might here. be fun. And share, <laughs> share
1: screen.
2: Well, I might go when Sean is done. So if you guys have anything else that you wanted to hear from me, let me know.
1: Okay, we want to share this one. Okay, so let's see. Oh, wow,
6: that's, the,
4: that's a better, wow. wow. So you stand in the right place in the mountains when the sun in the right place, you get, to me this is just showing you your your light bodies. But or something like it, you know, uh, it's it's giving you the information of reality. It's not an illusion. It's and you uh, see it
5: on the mountaintop. Yeah. The symbolism of that. (laughs) Right. Life is to be interpreted like a dream.
4: Going to
0: meet God on the mountain just took on a whole new meaning. Yeah. And you find
5: out that God is yourself, you know. Okay, so at yeah. least
4: in the least vain possible way, obviously that's the only problem people have with the saying that we are the living God is that people think that you're taking this ascendant uh, position. But obviously, only the mad, the truly mad, believe that they're God. We we all know for sure we're not God.
5: You know but what, though, know Sean, I saw something. The most similar thing I've ever seen to this was on a DMT trip. I believe you. Yeah, I. Was like launched into this symmetrical mandala, colorful. The wheels were spinning, and in the middle was a silhouetted figure. But he was in a like meditation Buddha pose. I yeah, said he. Cool. I don't know it. Yeah, no, that's cool. This is and, not, like, uh, everything was spinning, disoriented. I was like disoriented because the wheels were spinning, and uh, I asked the figure like, "What should I do?" And it said, "Go with the flow." Nice. <laughs> and then my perspective. Beautiful. My perspective locked in to the same speed of rotation as the wheels, like I started to spin, and then I matched speed with the wheels, and then it was as if they were still. It was really bizarre. Yeah, great. That's a really good description, too, and a lot of people have a, would have a hard time uh, trying to explain that at all. There's a oh, lot of weird stuff dance. that happened with that experience besides just that, but <laughs> that's what it yeah, makes me think. It though. just
4: reminded me of something that really blew my mind. Uh, my mother told me the very first thing I ever said was, see the light. And I was telling the clothes basket and pointing at the light in the middle of the ceiling. That was the very first <laughs> words I ever spoke. Yeah, cool. Is that crazy or what? It's like, oh, man, so I've been trying ever since. Well, like, you, you, Do you see the light? Are you seeing it? Looks like this the, one's got Jesus next to him there or something.
3: Huh? The basket is totally a placenta.
4: Bingo. (laughs) Somebody somebody got bingo. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So that was just the preface. I mean, do you guys want me to try to read some of this book? There's a the epistle dictatory to the honorable Sir Harry Monroe of Fowlus Barnett. We could probably skip all these dedications. The preface. How long is it? Preface is pretty long here. Eight, nine, nine, ten. What's the book called? Pages. It's called A Treatise on the Second Sight. So I guess I could tell you a story, if you want, real quick. Of uh, the last time I had a very serious second sight experience. Um, we were all at a big party in the mountains that we used to have every year. It was a big private, kind of like, not quite a rave, but a big private ravish DJ party. You know, people would bring all their camping stuff and guitars and uh, DJs had set up and spin and we'd dance and bring trip toys. And, you know, it was a big private party. Art parties. uh, You have art parties there. Yeah. Yeah. Art, everything. I mean, it was private because like you had to, you had to pay and you kind of had to be verified by the host and by whoever was inviting someone new because the vibe is so like utterly long-term and perfect amongst a large group of friends that you're not, you know, People aren't welcome if they're going to fuck around or be stupid at all. It's like the most chill party of all time.
5: Cultivating vibes.
4: Yeah, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, and So um, one of our friends was delayed, one of my close friends, uh, who me and Jim both know. And um, he wasn't there yet, but I knew he was going to be there soon. we were all sitting around and making art. And I announced to the whole group of people making art that he was on his way because I could feel it. I could feel it. I knew he was leaving Walla Walla and coming up the hill. I I just knew without any doubt. It was like, uh, you know, just information came to me. And then three or four hours later, he hadn't arrived. And so I told everyone that something was wrong and that I knew something was wrong. And then the next day, he was able to arrive. And when he walked up, I ran up to him first and confronted him. And I said something happened. Because you were on your way and you got interrupted. Something happened to you so that you couldn't come until now. What happened? And he said that someone had totaled his car in front of his house. Somebody hit his parked car and completely totaled it. And we both just stared at each other like, whoa, that's crazy. But I could feel it. And then after he didn't show up, I was scared. I was worried because I didn't know, like, if he can't make it at all, then what happened? What prevented him from coming at all? You know, like, that's crazy. And so. Wow. guess that kind of goes with the book here, but that's happened to me a few times in life, and it's part of my family's history. If my mother would injure herself, sometimes one of her sisters would call her on the phone and say, "What did you do
5: to your arm or something? I'm getting pain over here. What's going on? you know You know, the story that I just told I was at Electric Forest Festival in Michigan, and when I did the DMT across the festival grounds. My best friend at the time, Derek, he was like he he told me later that actually he came up to me after like hours later, we weren't the same place and he was like, You did uh what did you do? I was like, What? And anyway, apparently at the time we like kind of figured out that it was at least approximately the same time that I had done the blast off. He had had like his middle of his forehead crackle and tingle. <laughs> inside of his head like third eye area uh-huh. and he's like chance just did dmt and that was what he <laughs> thought it, that's what he thought it meant and i had not been planning on doing it i had met like some you know techno viking tag on to my crew that had just showed up out of the blue and offered like the pen. and right. normally i would even be like no not right now but for some reason yeah. right then i refused because
4: i've never done it and even though we were in a good location i was just like nah. I'm not ready yet. Thanks, appreciate the offer, but not ready. But that's hilarious that the same thing happened. Like your friend, it literally had a sensation in his third eye—a crackling sensation—and in and it came to him the information that was actually occurring. Like, hey, chances. It's, it's not it's for the light right of heart. Now.
5: Like, it's not. No, it's, I'm not saying don't do it, but you know, I know what it is. I've, you know, my, I'm well aware. Sometimes of it. I wish my crossing over experiences had been more. I don't know, ceremonial. A few of the later ones. I think I did it about ten times. They were more ceremonial and like private and alone. But still, once you open that door, life changes a lot.
4: Yeah, and I've already opened a lot of doors, so I don't know if I'm going to open anymore or not.
5: <laughs> I think of it though, like I think of it like the experience the initiates go through, whatever they do with their prepared medicines and rituals no, it is. It to is. create the. Because afterwards I knew for sure that there wasn't death. So that was like life changing right away. Yeah. That's a nice relief. Yeah. But
4: yeah, I mean the, I think the, the rituals are just another part of the fractal nature of reality. These rituals exist. Ideally they're not something that we all made up or got handed down. It's part, you know, it's a ritual for creator to create mud into man. And so the ritual carries on. You're always creating something into something, you know.
5: It makes me think back to the conversation about the elemental beings, because while I do think it's not wise to treat it literal or external, there are commonalities between what people experience and beings they encounter. But that's like on the inner realm. It's not somewhere else.
4: Yeah. Well, I think that's the mistake is to try to put it in one place or the other. It's in all places at all time. time and space are an illusion that are convenient for us to have these kind of experiences. Oh, I forgot to read you guys the bookmark. And I, you know, I put this bookmark in here and I never even read it first. I just stuck it in the book and it's a fancy bookmark with a, with the gemstone on it. And it's all fancy, you know, and it mm-hmm. says get in bed, read fairy tales, keep wishing, keep wishes under your pillow. So to me, it's really funny that I thoughtlessly put that bookmark In the treatise on the second site that we ended up reading a little bit of because of talking about sylphs. Yeah, I'm done. I'm feeling done with reading. Unless you guys are really insistent, I'm just going to put it back.
5: We could kick it to Rachel before she has to go if she wants to put something else out there. I won't lie. Rachel is my favorite reader. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, No pressure, though. It's optional.
2: Oh, no, I don't mind. Um, Was there anything in particular you wanted me to read from?
4: Yeah, I want to hear from the book that we started in. and we only got a few chapters, and it's the young girl who's being escorted by a cat on the couch <laughs> a couch into fairy realm or something like that. <laughs>
6: the person, we'll anyone, say the, uh, I
4: have respect for the you, next Rachel. I, or the I next will, uh, uh, either <laughs> that I or more. Say from the author's me. name because I know that you covet her name and keep it secret from everyone so that it won't
5: enter <laughs> further into the world. I want uh, I want more from Odin.
2: Yeah, I'm not it's picky. Yet. I was
4: really just being cheeky, they call it.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe the next one. I like to vet the chapters so that I know when she's using crazy words I've never heard of.
4: Like, yeah, I should take a picture of the pages of that last book so you guys could see how struggling, it, I, I mean, it's like, it's an imprint and not a real printing, you know, and mm-hmm. it got smeared. So I'm like, just, like, just read through it, Sean, you can do it but I feel you lots of old English words and the, the ink is literally smeared. That's why I turned on the bright light. Like, all right, this should help.
2: Right. Well, let's see. There are. There are 164. If you guys want to pick a number. <laughs> Between one and 164. <laughs> 166. Okay. (laughs) Perfect.
1: (laughs) Let's see. Kind of went through 90s. I guess I better meet. That's sweet.
6: Not well.
1: Okay, I opened it to 52,
2: and we'll see how that goes. It's kind of, okay, it's kind of perfect, because at the beginning of the day, the quarter moon was in Libra, so this one has to do about, a lot of these have to do with friendship and how to be cool. You should not give only big gifts. Often a little thing will win you favor. I have one friend's with just half a loaf of bread and a bowl of soup. Where the beaches are small, it's a small sea that washes them, and so it is with little minds. Not everyone is equally wise, but the average is moderately wise. You should be only a little wise, never too wise. The happiest people throughout their lives are those who know just enough. You should be only a little wise never too wise. A wise man's heart is seldom glad if he's truly wise. You should be only a little wise, never too wise. It's best not to know your fate beforehand. You'll live happier if you don't. A torch is lit by another and burns till it's burned out. A fire is kindled by another fire. A man becomes wise by speaking with other men. But foolish by keeping to himself. I can't keep going. This is—it's all really good.
1: <laughs> That's really good. I like it.
2: Yeah. Some wisdom. I can attempt to read it in Old Norse if you guys want to giggle about. But uh, not that too text.
5: much wisdom.
2: Yeah, not too much. I love that though. I think about that. Every now and then it'll pop into my head and I'll be like, No. I don't wanna to be too smart. Cause I don't know if you've ever I think people sometimes get to that point when they learn a bunch of things and then they wish they didn't know and it yeah. ruins their life. I think that's what that's <laughs> talking about.
3: The Dunning Kruger effect. Where you're so smart you just are in brain lock.
2: Yeah, like what do you do? So I think that's mostly what that's talking about, but maybe it also means no, not being a wise Dunning boss.
4: Kruger is just when people are stupid <laughs> and they think they're smart. Is it? I'm, I, could, I could be wrong. I haven't looked up the definition for a while, so it could be wrong.
3: But, uh, it's funny. We all have a interpretation of it. <laughs> We're probably all you know, wrong. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the be- meaning that's of beautiful.
5: it. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful Yeah. Right? You know, the definition of smart in Hurts. the. 1828 dictionary from the Latin root amaris bitter that is sharp so smart is defined as quick, pungent, lively pain, a pricking local pain as the pain from a puncture by nettles huh. and then there's also uh, there's a few other definitions much, but, it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, oh yeah there's really only the meaning in terms of intelligence, as like, uh, maybe that you can sting with your words, as <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you have well, a biting yeah, wit. It's it's true.
4: Just to to be well informed feels that way too. Jim and I have felt that way before, standing looking at an impossible problem to solve with a piece of art, and had someone else come yeah. up and say, "Well, you should do this. You should do that," and just our knowledge of what to do is like, no. You're just stupid at this. You've never done this, so you don't know how bad it hurts to look at how fucked up this really is. We might have to start over.
2: <laughs> Sometimes it's good to hear that though from people. It's it's nice confirmation that you know indeed what you need. So,
3: I forget what what culture this is, but I want to say Greek, but somewhere the word truth translates to painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
6: well it made me
1: think of uh, Ecclesiastes too.
4: Much wisdom is much sorrow. Black and that's what they call it nowadays, right? Black
3: He's dying. Oh, he got, oh no. Well, his brother just or his sibling just passed and he's missing an arm. Oh man, don't oh, let that wow. one die. Blow,
4: blow air in his mouth, man. I'm trying. I'm, trying. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teasing Snake. I, I, I I'm sorry, man. You're I'm sorry. Right. i invested in the rabbit
3: story now. I'm actually going against nature. Look at the wiggle his head. That's good. you yeah. Come on, mm-hmm.
4: man. We all see you there. Stay alive. We want to we'll see how you work out your life with one less arm, buddy. Come on, <laughs> keep
5: going. We're curious. Sending vibes. Did you give him yeah. a name yet? No,
3: but uh, we have Little Ear. has got a little ear, so he got the name Little Ear. Maybe I'll call him.
4: Now, wait, the same Rudy one D. with the missing leg also has a small <laughs> ear?
6: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: uh,
0: that have to be different. <laughs> For a minute, little Ear, <laughs> his name's Little Ear, huh?
7: Oh, There's guys! Pray, pray for Oh, years. I'm feeling the spider tingles.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
7: We're getting Hi. clicky.
2: Thank you. We're
6: Is <laughs> that <laughs> bad?
4: <laughs> no, bad for the people that are outside the clique. Too bad for them. All are welcome.
8: All are invited. All are welcome. Yeah, all are invited. Yeah, well, actually, all up till up to
5: ten, because I can only put ten on screen.
2: <laughs>
8: okay. That's all right,
5: we'll just figure out how to simul
4: screen we'll just have to log in another account so you know
7: at some point it becomes a game of running. Spider Survivor
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can stay on the logos <laughs> I'm voting myself out I'll see you guys later
5: on Saturday I was like trying so hard to survive that I I was on the call from bed <laughs> at the end
6: <laughs> I made mean, it to the end
5: that's the joke I have
6: running
4: with Jim right him. now the joke with Jim is that if we bring back picture show for episode 66 which we jokingly mention in episode 33 by the way Jim <laughs> I make a joke that on episode 66 we'll have to do something I don't remember now what but uh, that we should make it a 24 hour stream
5: oh. Let's go. Oh, just remember six, there's something I want to share from telegram um, in the call in line, and it's art from Shannon who's in the oh, live yeah. chat right now and has been hanging That's out with sweet. us all day. Nice, and nice. so here it comes. Just gotta move it to the right screen.
3: Cool.
5: This is quite a drawing, and I believe she's been working on it while we've been flow stating. Get out of here! Wow. Nice,
3: nah. nice. That's over the top. It's tear. It looks like tear.
4: Totally. That's your j- dog, snake. No, uh, it was Ben's dog that recently passed a cancer, right? No, no, oh. no. Tear's still alive. He posted yes. a great picture of himself uh, shadow boxing with the dog, and that one. Uh, that's my photo. There. I took that.
3: Oh, nice. That's awesome.
5: Yeah, well, that's a really nice drawing. Shannon, thank you for yeah, sharing Yeah, really it looks great. If anyone's been doing art while we flow-stated, share it in the Telegram group, the call-in line or interverse or weaving spiders, whatever, one of them. Can you show what my
1: yeah.
3: wife painted? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. It's that amazing.
5: Brilliant. I, I got to see that. That's in spiders, right?
3: Spiders <laughs> yeah, there it is. Art party.
5: I'm behind on art party. <laughs> I've been dick, ditching Telegram mostly for the last couple of days. Hey, good, good move. That is something.
1: Oh
4: yeah, yeah, I love that thing. She's uh, really good.
3: She listens to a podcast. It's Lost River Legends, and they do like local folklore. There she <laughs> Look
5: at the she art behind her too. So good. That's her. Wow, she should be in our. Art group, at least.
3: I'm trying. She's just real. She's an artist. She's very, uh, like, showing her work. I'm always pulling her paintings out of the trash and putting them in
4: my little (laughs) stash. Because she doesn't like them. That's what you got to do sometimes. I got one like that, bro. Stacks of canvases that aren't allowed to be looked at or shown to anyone. Yeah. You guys, you artists. Yeah, I so, no one's allowed time. to
6: see until it's perfect
4: <laughs> right. Yeah well that's a, I mean learning from Beth Martin's All the release work really helped me to get over All that kind of stuff not get over it But at least I have a line on where like My head's fucked up on shit and I can do Something about it and it really works you know Like it really works
0: Speaking of yeah. I actually just started Her newest course with the Law stuff went into it Oh cool I'm excited I'm excited about that
4: Yeah, I saw all the stuff of her uh, on the um, doing the covering the trucks in Canada.
0: Mhm. I (laughs) have
4: it. You're 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 up there, aren't you?
0: Yes, sir. More than five million raised.
4: Five million. Yeah, and I heard that there was uh, five million
0: dollars to pay all the truckers for gas and food and stuff while they're doing this
3: standoff, right? Siege. It's not about mandates. It's never been about mandates. It's about making sure fuel and food doesn't cross the borders. I mean, they can put control price. And yeah, yeah. To, we're taking... All our oil is coming from Russia right now, which is freaking weird. And we gave Canada all, all our oil and reserves last winter. It was so rough. You know, you got a... You got a, a little ZZ... Um, Little puppet for a president, doing whatever the Chinese tell him to, and what they're telling him to do is
0: halt everything, starve him
3: out. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to see Russia drop you guys a bunch of armaments so you can take care of business over there. Because I really, <laughs> <is> really <interesting. laughs> Russian P- people would you're be going to so get me put on a list
4: canadians man I'm on a list, killed everyone too. I'm no. on the list already you're, <laughs> you're, you're a a female would, would be shocked at how unkind <laughs> the canadians really would be once you finally threatened them
3: yeah they're going to push all that
4: sorry geez oh, geez, goes out the window and they'll just be caving in skulls and taking scalps
3: and so polite already
5: so i have so uh, so. a lot of people I have a selection from a most we'll we'll austere tome. This is a most uh, auspicious tome that I've had since I was very young. In fact, I have several editions of this book. Let me take my art stream down. Where is it? Losing track. There it is. Okay, so this is <laughs> Uncle John's Supremely Satisfying Bathroom Reader. I used to read those a lot. <laughs> I have like six or eight of these and uh, they are in my bathroom. Although I haven't perused them for a while. They're just full of random articles and jokes and historical stories and uh, weird stuff. You know, they're meant to be either a quick read or a heavy duty read or somewhere in the middle. But I've I found an our, <laughs> found one, This is bizarre, and who knows what it might make us think about. It is called, the article is Genuine Fake, Lincoln's Log Cabin. This is the story of Lincoln's birthplace, built 30 years after his death. Nice. It it comes from uh, one of our favorite books, Lies Across America, What Our Historic Sites Got Wrong, by James Lowen. So, what do you guys think? Do you want me to read this article?
3: That sounds great.
5: Yeah. Okay. What does it mean that his birthplace is a fake? Is our history even real? Okay. No. (laughs) Thomas Lincoln bought Sinking Spring Farm near Hodgenville, Kentucky in December of 1808. His son, Abraham. Abraham. (laughs) That means, let me just tell you what Abraham means real quick. Abraham means highest father. And ham means darkness or blackened. So Abraham encodes the highest father of darkness, which is yeah. the the sun in <laughs> in astrological terms is the sun in the winter months. It's basically this is Abraham is basically Kronos. <laughs> anyway, his son, Abraham, was born in a small cabin on the farm on Feb- February 12th, 1809. A little more than two years later, the family moved to another farm 10 miles away. By the time Lincoln was assassinated, according to three different people who visited the farm looking for it, the cabin had disappeared. Either it had fallen into ruin or nearby farmers had recycled its logs into their buildings. Or it never existed. Uh In 1895, New York entrepreneur Alfred Dennett bought Sinking Spring Farm and instructed his agent, James Bigham, to build a log cabin on it, according to National Park Service historian, Dwight pitt cathley Bingham bought a two-story cabin from a neighboring farm and used the best of its logs to build a cabin on the Lincoln farm. Dennett then widely circulated photographs of this new cabin, which he tried to pass off as the actual cabin in which Lincoln was born. Lincoln was born in a log cabin, weren't he? Said Bingham, defending himself to a skeptical newspaperman. Well, one cabin is as good as another. Despite Bingham's efforts, few made the trek to rural Hodgenville to see the historic structure. Undaunted, Dennett and Bingham decided to take the cabin to the people, so they took it apart and reassembled it at the Tennessee Centennial Exposition in Nashville. Exposition in Nashville? What do you know? An exposition. In 1897, to make the exhibit even better, they bought another old log cabin and proclaimed it the birthplace of Jefferson Davis. Next, the cabins traveled to the 1901 Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo, New New York. That one's a real zinger. Where they found themselves between Bonner, the educated horse, and Esau. Esau, like the biblical Esau. A trained chimpanzee billed as the missing link. Oh, Oh my God. I've not read this. I've not pre-vetted this. As an added feature... 150 African Americans, billed as old uncles and aunties, formerly slaves, were on display living in the genuine cabins in which Abraham Lincoln and Jefferson Davis were born. Wow. Wow. It put <laughs> uncles and aunties, former supposed former yeah, slaves. Yeah, staging in there.
4: the whole thing up so that you really
5: get an image in your mind of what it was like. Then the cottages went to Coney Island, where the Lincoln cabin was to become an attraction. But alas, as Pitt Cathley puts it, yeah. during the journey to Coney Island, the logs of the cabin became intermingled. So it became a much larger and was briefly known as the Lincoln and Davis cabin. <laughs> <That's a laughs> meanwhile, the Robert Collier publisher. Meanwhile, Robert Collier, publisher of Collier's Weekly, acquired the farm in Hodgenville and set up a Lincoln Farm Association bought the logs for $1,000 and shipped them to Kentucky. The train stopped in major cities along the way to let people touch the logs. The association then selected architect John Russell Pope to design a memorial building in which to enshrine the reassembled cabin and engaged lawyers to produce affidavits from three residents that claimed the cabin was authentic. Is
3: this where Lincoln Logs comes from?
5: Yeah. (laughs) Lincoln Logs used to be made in
4: Walla Walla, Washington. Well, there you go. Huh. So. <laughs> That's
8: in Jenga as well, right?
4: Yep. Yep. Jenga too.
8: That is correct.
3: So oh, Lincoln by the way, who said it might have never existed? Lincoln Was wasn't you? even on the ballot for election when he won. <laughs> That's true. Interesting. That's
5: I didn't silly. know that.
4: So I didn't either. Chance, did you say, or it didn't even exist at all? Or
5: About what? When you were reading under your breath? oh that yeah that it never existed in the first place like there was yeah. no original that's kind of my thinking
4: yeah you know i said uh, i he said was... the exact same thing under yeah. my breath while i was muted and it perfectly like we owe each other a coca-cola right now if you know uh,
5: I mean. the painted me a coke i'd slap it out of your hands who knows what yeah.
3: pinkertons are you've heard about i do
5: them.
3: yeah pinkertons right
5: tell us about them
3: they said they had about a they had a network of like 30,000 Pinkertons this is back in the 1840s at that time and they put a Abraham Lincoln character in office it, it kind of re- reminds you what's going on right now is what's his name even a person big time who protects him the most so when they talk about that this is true stuff and i i learned this just recently, from a guy named Jared, on he's got a channel called Static in the Attic, and he's reviewing all this stuff. He does the a lot of the Tartaria stuff too, but Static very, in the Attic, huh? Yeah, he's great. Um, anyhow, you can. I started looking this shit up, man. I mean, it's be hard to find, but we really need to question a lot of this shit. Why? Why was the South so pissed? Well, because they woke up one day and they were told that this person was president. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? Kind of reminds you of another uh, character that was just like a senator out of nowhere in Illinois. And then, you know, they compare him to. And like, why do they worship him so much? This Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Bar
5: Rock. Bar is a definite connection to Saturn. Because of many reasons, I think it was e- even called bar in some cases, but a bar in uh, I can't remember which language it is. I'd have to go source it, but it means a corn or a kernel, huh. just like a, uh, a cornucopia. <laughs> Saturn is linked with the corn and the harvest too. Chrono says, "Yeah, is. The, yeah but the Pink Pinkertons—they were like uh, original." mafia style intelligence agency yep. bounty hunters and yep. bounty and hunters bounty hunters what kind bounty. of cornucopia
3: bounty
6: <laughs> there it is
3: yeah
4: we're starting to I get never, I never you heard, of, heard of the pinkertons take give me more details that's great
3: Well, you that's have awesome. you just watch a movie like um uh they're the Pinkertons. They're the bounty hunters. They're out there in the wild are... West, bringing in the outlaws. And okay, okay, they're part of the weren't
8: they the original Secret Service as well? Yep, was the Pinkertons. So, so what yeah. you find They'd out? Probably they probably they came can...
3: from the Pony Express. So. Everyone was expecting yeah, them to get assassinated as inauguration. They're like all the senators, congressmen. They're like, they're like, there's no way they're going to pull this off. They, they have. That's what I thought was going to happen with Obama. Same. I was Ew. shocked. So I mean, who are these people? Where'd they come from? Well, they got a history too, and you know we could find we got a glimpse of it there.
5: They still exist.
3: Oh wow! Uh, Look at scary. that. They terrify
5: me. Shh. Interloping asshole! Holy okay. shit! Get the logo at the top left. Get the eyes in. now mostly. What is that? Look at it's a eye over a pyramid. The logo at the top left. Yeah, but what is that? I'm sorry, I was. This is yeah. Pinkerton.com. dot com, but this Holy is the fuck, they still <laughs> exist, bro. They still I know exist. they still
3: exist. This, this is your um, your um, you know, the Q shit, the fucking dark revelation of the Method Man, the swamp, all that. Find you out your enemies, You
4: go look them up, and they're just online, hanging out with uh, blue and pinkish orange and wow. contact tracing. Gray. Yeah, center. Due diligence.
5: Click on that one. Due diligence. Oh. Uh, I clicked on Global Security Operations Centers because that sounds pretty
4: Modern your assets and your threats with our intelligence-led GSOCs. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, they're
1: ready G- to still help
4: you.
5: GSOC. Yeah. Well, they were called a detective agency, but they were basically bounty hunters.
3: So my family, I have a, I have a patriarch in my family who's FBI. <clears throat> um, we lost him for eight years for undercover. And when we finally got him back, it was hard. This is a family story. But he, it took him, hes he lives on a mountain top. He's crazy now. They destroyed him. So, and they left him for dead. And that's your amazing, wonderful agency. You got him back, man. Hallelujah. You guys got him back. Yeah, and that's part of the story too, that we almost didn't because of certain family members who had some balls, you know, to, to make arrangements and do certain things to get our family member back which is my uncle. I I have, you know, that's why I'm interested mostly is because my family involvement, I'm not, you know, there's, there's family secrets because of that crap. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was reading some of the, um, a, a book on Abraham Lincoln. And, um, When he was en route to Washington to get inaugurated, he he was receiving confirmation that the army was posted up undercover all around Washington with, with cannons in the bushes. Yep. And they were ready to light the fuse for an insurrection. It was a one. It's a one-to-one correspondence to what's happening right now. It is. And the motherfucker who came before Lincoln, like fucked everything up in a major way, and then just handed it off to Lincoln, and Lincoln gets all the blame for the Civil War. But all the percolating events uh, were the guy before him, um, Buchanan. Uh-huh. and there's yeah, Buchanan. And there's Cannon. The beautiful view is beautiful canon, the beautiful canon. And that means like canon is in what story are we going to tell? They run
4: the same same script again right now. Exactly.
3: Yep. And and that's the destruction of common law. Canon law. Canon is also
5: uh, canon. Mm-hmm. Inanite, Qu- oh, Cohen. My gosh. Cohen, meaning priest in Hebrew and Teacher, yeah. Kuan, Kuan is a pretty close link too, meaning dog. In and Q and, and there's QAnon. QAnon. Ah, yeah. James James B QAnon. <laughs> yeah. Yep, wow. that's it. Never made the connection to Qon and do- uh QAnon, but that's real.
7: Nice we've said that that's in it. a weave before where I said CNN is Canaan and QAnon is also oh, wow. Canaan, pronounced the same way.
1: God of war.
5: I knew that about CNN, war. but hadn't made the Q on the
7: Greek word for it's Kabbalah, 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 K, C, or Q. Uh huh. That's right.
4: Oh, yeah. That K- was a good with, one. With a, yeah, where the K is Jewish, with the Q is Christian, and where the C is.
3: Hermetic. Is that right? It's uh, C is Christian and Q is Greek.
5: Hermetic. Okay. Yeah. Should I continue with Abraham's Lincoln logs? Please do. Please do. I
3: thought you were. No. all <laughs> yeah.
5: I didn't even know. There's a lot more, actually. Okay. So the Collier had bought, who was a publisher of a newspaper or something, some weekly publication. He had bought the logs for a thousand bucks and shipped them to Kentucky. The the logs arrived in Louisville in June 1906, and the cabin was built in a local park. Because its logs were originally from two cabins, it was twice as large as might be expected, in the tradition of the Lincoln and Davis cabin. Nevertheless, it was so popular that an armed guard had to be posted to stop visitors from taking pieces off of it as souvenirs. After just a week, it was dismantled for safekeeping. (laughs) It says on the bottom of the page, at the bottom of every page, there's a one liner of some kind of like weird factoid. And this one says uh, Abraham Lincoln was the first president to wear a beard in office. Interestingly, anyway, continuing three years later, the association used some of the logs to re-erect the cabin. Now back to solo cabin size at Hodgenville for the centennial of Lincoln's birth in 1909. President Theodore Roosevelt came to lay the cornerstone for the Greek temple that Pope had designed to house it. Mm -hmm. The rude log cabin in which Lincoln was born in Hodgenville, Kentucky, is a symbol of his bonds with the common people. And it has come to mean to them as Americans what the humble stable in Bethlehem means to them as Christians. (laughs) He's Abraham. He's the most high father. Oh, my God. Rose, <laughs> Roosevelt proclaimed that was sorry that was a quote from Roosevelt about Bethlehem but just and he continues Roosevelt says but just as the world's faithful <laughs> the WF have sanctified the birthplace of Christ by housing it within an impressive church of the nativity so the american people have ennobled the birthplace of Lincoln by housing it within a marble temple of fame when the temple was first When the temple was finished in 19, can I? Somebody, I hear myself coming back through a little bit. Can I mute? Yeah, it's Girth Girth Brooks muted you, buddy. But you can unmute yourself when you want to. When the temple was finished in 1911, however, it was too small to let visitors move easily around the outside of the cabin. Rather than enlarge the temple, Pope shrank the cabin. He took a couple of feet off its length and three or four feet from its width. Now just 12 by 17 feet, it fits fine. It also fits well with the nation's ideological needs. Americans want to believe in the log cabin myth, and the tinier the cabin, the bigger the myth. Now the site offers the ultimate expression on the landscape of the rags-to-riches story that Lincoln's life exemplifies. The cabin is even smaller than the one in which he was born, and the Greek marble and granite temple makes a grander effect even than the White House to which he rose. Also, the 56 imposing steps one for each year of his life, symbolized symbolized Lincoln's upward mobility. Harold Holzer, writing in the New York Times, confirmed the power of the two structures in combination. The shrine's almost oppressive formality cannot mask the rawness and shockingly tiny size of the airless one-room cabin it contains. Picturing a family living in such a place tests the imagination and touches the heart. But Lincoln's own son, Robert Todd Lincoln, discouraged preserving the cabin, complaining that it falsely bore the stamp of poverty, when in fact the Lincolns owned two farms, livestock, and a lot in nearby Elizabethtown. For a time, the park service was fairly forthright about the building it presents at Hodgenville. Now it pretends the cabin is real, even admonishing visitors not to use flash cameras, as if their light could damage logs that have seen so many journeys. The National Park Service labels the little building traditional Lincoln birthplace cabin, which gives traditional a new definition. Hoax over time. Long ago, a lad at the University of Wisconsin answered a class assignment for Professor Helen White with the blooper, Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin, which he built with his own hands. (laughs) The reality is even sillier. Abraham Lincoln had been dead 30 years when his birthplace cabin was built. Even more bizarre, Americans have built more birthplace cabins for him ever since. In Fort Wayne, Indiana, in heiress in Mary Forbes' backyard in Milton, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Indeed, upon request, the National Park Service will send you a handout so you can build one in your backyard. <laughs> Beginning in 1920, children built miniature replicas all across the country. In that year, John Lloyd Wright, son of Frank, invented Lincoln Logs, named after those in Kentucky. Lincoln Logs originally came with instructions on how to build Uncle Tom's cabin, as well as Lincoln's log cabin. The power of the icon is uncanny. Americans seem to need this structure, so we copy it and cherish it, even though it is fake. Yeah, America's Rome. That's what Rome does, too. (laughs) Needs structure, copies and cherishes it, even though it's fake.
4: It really is good. Good reading, man. And that author
5: is obviously in the know. Maybe I mean he wrote a, apparently he wrote a book about lies across America. So maybe that was like his tame way of yeah going you
4: know, into it. Publish publish in such a way that you can still get some money and don't have to die. Don't you know the Pinkertons don't come
5: get you? Right. Yeah. So that was a fun random bibliomancy from. Uncle John's Supremely Satisfying Bathroom Reader. Yeah, I used to read a of
4: those. Those are great books. What oh, yeah. I'd ask for
5: them for Christmas and stuff. Which one? The one with the excerpt or this book itself? No, the one with the excerpt, please. The, it was called Lies Across America, What Our Historic Sites Got Wrong by James Lowen. Lowen is spelled L-O-E-W-E-N. Probably have dated a bit dated by now because this book is from 2001. The uh, Bathroom Raider.
4: Yeah, I wonder if uh, Lowen's still alive. He might be old enough that he'd be willing to tell us some stuff. Maybe we could get him onto a spider uh, weave. <laughs> Let's look into
3: it, man. So I, so, I, I had a realization on that little factoid you mentioned with uh, Abraham being the first one to wear a beard. That- oh yeah. Yeah, to me that hails to uh some indication of a sacrificial goat.
5: Well, because it would make sense because Abraham is cap rolled in Capricorn or rules in Capricorn.
3: You got it. Yep. And and he uh and it's cuz he was a first. Like whenever whenever I hear first, I when instantly think of cap the goat's got the beard.
4: He's yes. also a
5: scapegoat, obviously.
4: Yeah, yeah he was the yeah we' we we' better be careful the Pinkertons are going to come get us.
5: We're figuring out too much at too too fast a to rate guys <laughs> well, think about it though, like if you get if you want to have this new corporation called the United States take over the free and independent states, but you want them to after it's over, feel like there's nothing left to be done about it. you just kill the guy that you've already put all the blame and responsibility on the entire endeavor on. That's right. So it's like it's all Lincoln's fault that this happened,
1: but yeah, he got assassinated. So,
5: so we're exactly. we're we're
4: chill now. It deflates all the energy that you would need to rise up because your enemy's already oh,
3: dead. Yeah. I'm working on a nice anagram out of Abraham Lincoln. We got yeah, a C, C, you know, A B R A Abraham. You pull the C out of Lincoln, and you get Cabra.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Abracadabra. Yeah, exactly. He was shot with a black powder pistol. All you gotta do is put powder in it. It looked like he got shot, and he do it. Right.
4: Yeah, I don't think anything happened at all. The more I've looked at all of it, and uh, there's a book by a uh, another pastor that I follow. His name's Ted Nottingham. A lesser oh, yeah. known book that he wrote about uh, him he thinking that he's descended from. John Wilkes Booth and the John Wilkes Booth survived the um, the entire fiasco because Wilkes Booth jumped and landed on the stage and broke his leg and uh, tried to get away and supposedly got caught. And then, you know, if you look into the identification of his body, there's all kinds of controversy there. And the whole thing is controversial if you read Ted Nottingham's book. Now, Ted Nottingham is more known for his uh, mystical Christian books and preaching, but he did write that book and it's worth reading. Well, Supposedly...
8: Your name is Mud if you help out an assassin. And that was the, the doctor's name who helped uh, John Wilkes Booth's set John oh. Wilkes Booth's leg afterwards, oh, his name was Mud. Oh so he, shit. Supposedly his uh, grandson or great 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 grandson is a presenter on the History Channel. Huh. His name That's is right. his last name is Mud. Oh there wow. you go.
4: Keep it in the family. Nepotism—evidence of nepotism—never surprises me.
3: It's amazing how much much mockery they bake into these stories. It's like the more outlandish and in-your-face they can mock mock people, the longer people will go without seeing it.
4: Yeah, there's something to that. The hex works that way somehow. It does.
5: I think it has to do with like how people just don't want to feel dumb. Yeah, like, I yeah. couldn't have missed that. There's some it unconscious was... part of yourself protecting you from that trauma. Of it is, it's a fear of not. It's a fear of not. Because <laughs> if you're that w- if you're that wise, you won't be happy, <laughs> right? Because you'll know Don- what's all fucked up in the world.
3: It's the Don and
5: Kruger effect. Yeah, weaponized. Hey, now there you
1: go, weaponized Dunning Kruger. Wow.
3: I come from a very intellectual family. We have zero common sense whatsoever. That's one thing I noticed. It's just like, it's bred out of us that way.
5: I've struggled in my life with common sense earlier in my life and maybe still a little bit now.
3: We all do, but it almost seems like the more intellectual you are, the less you know how to really do. <clears throat> That's true, because the intellect is all about figuring things out in your
4: head that's the only way I started to get some healing and some satisfaction in my life is I found this woman on the internet and uh, she taught me how to breathe with her on the telephone and get out of my head and start to actually identify my problems. And that's when my, I would say that's, you know, that's when my real life started when I finally started to get out of my head and stop being so intellectualized about everything.
3: Danny used to call it getting out of your box, mm-hmm. called getting out of self. That's why you see a bunch of... Bunch of sad looking alcoholics running around helping each other and getting out of self. It works. It works. It really does.
5: Alan has shared this with me. I don't know if I had permission to put it on screen, but there appears to be the yeah. second spider. <laughs> That's yeah,
7: awesome. I, I added the second spider and then the green laser line is kind of the eye, the sight line. I love so, it. I'll, I'll remove the laser line, but I was trying to determine what the where the thing is the looking the girl, the woman, maybe we call her Ariadne, where she's looking. And then maybe the spider's name is Arachne. Yeah, that's good. Is
1: it twin spiders, both named Arachne?
7: Well, I realize the spines as spiders, so that implies two or more. Maybe there's a third hidden spider somewhere too. Lately, we need like eight. Right. But that might be a lot to cram in. Yeah, I just I add more and then I remove something and I just keep keep tweaking it. But after looking at it for so long.
3: My mind is like, hmm. Mm. It's funny with the spider. I can look at that, and it, and it takes me back to a day. October 19th, 2020. I was in Sacramento. Oh, I was in a motel room. It was my last day in California. And I had my, uh, my wife, my daughter, and my son's fiance at a motel to take him to the airport. And I went out. I woke up. This is my routine. Then there's just wake up, go get a cigarette outside, sat down at the bench, lit my cigarette, looked over. And then there's a big black widow hanging from a web right in front of my face. Wow. And I mean, it was there. And I'm like, it was just taking down its web for the night. And I was like, oh, my God. So I was planning on not staying. I was looking for reasons not to stay. And because I, uh, I wanted to buy the property adjacent to him there was a 20 acre uh, house, I was going to uh, purchase some up there. And anyway, uh, so I get to uh, back to Alder point and I go to the Patriot gas station to, you know, do my business, get a drink. I sit down and at eleven eleven, I got the call. That my best friend had passed away the day before and I needed. No. Him. So there was no. But, I mean, this is, you know, I can look at that image, and that's what that brings you back to. That's the power of that. And the spider. It's like, what was that spider doing there? He was there for you. Well, yeah, I mean, there's it's, that, that's for me. It's known for no one else. But I think a lot of us are engaging in this, and we all have, it's beautiful, actually. It's like, it's one big, giant art piece. It is. It's a spontaneous it a- art collective. Isn't
4: it? Is it? It is. I don't know what else you would call it. I mean, we all just got together and like, that's so cool that you can see through it, Chance. That's so weird, bro. There's so much green. <laughs> Whoa. There's so much green on the card. That's like the most illusion-filled tarot read I've ever seen.
5: That was what came out for this subject about us. Magician.
4: We're the magicians.
5: <laughs> oh, I have to turn off the green screen if I'm going to show my art up close. I was, I'm thinking about uh, exiting the living yeah, space. No, I got I to <laughs> I, I bail. bail and go to bed too. So, here, I'll do a quick showing. We made it to five here's, hours. Pretty good. There's
4: some art. That is really I good.
5: Know. I don't know. Oh, let me nice make you big. See. Let me make you big. Okay. Leave it Whoa. up. You. Yeah, really. Nice. Sweet. So, that's productive right there. Oh,
1: yeah. well, thanks Throwing to Jimmy. You don't
5: because you don't like it. Oh,
4: I,
1: got, I don't <laughs> do that shit.
5: I got stuff stacked up in boxes for days. Nice. I like that they're on post-it notes. Is there an organizational hierarchy to that? Oh, well, it's just an easy way
4: to transfer them onto the tray where they'll be baked. They're all very soft and delicate right now. Oh, I guess uh, here. Let me try one more time. See if I can get this particular one because I am proud of that. Uh, see the sylph, and maybe wow. if, I to, if I turn it around this way, there
3: you oh. go. <laughs> wow, <The sylph. laughs> she's like she's like an icaina.
4: Yeah, and she's in the, she's a cyclops too because I couldn't get her eyes right. So I thought, well, I guess you only get one. Yeah, take hey, some man. take
7: some photos of those before before anything is baked.
4: Okay, yeah, I can take I can shoot a picture of it. Gabriel, but did yeah, you take note of I what Dylan seen, said about I the
3: ichnus? I did, and guess what I found? I knew there was more to that than oh, maybe it wasn't seen There's a Ekaidna, on that. There are ichnus islands. The islands of Echidna. Of course there is. Oh. Yes. In the, the, right off the coast of uh, like, uh, Gre- Greece. And what I'm starting to see when I look on the map now, this is crazy, but the boot heel of uh, Italy is smashing the serpent's head. The heel bruising the head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because all of those islands just south of the heel of Italy are snake worshiping, Ophi, what's the Ophi study?
5: Ophiolitry.
3: Ophiolatry cults are all up and down the Mediterranean right
1: there. And Missouri so, has a Boot Hill, too.
3: Yeah, Missouri has a Boot Hill. Interesting. I bet there's some underground snake cults in the caves below. It's where New Madrid is. And New Madrid, from that book I was reading, I found out is where Lewis and Clark family have that's all their family. It's a, It's an interesting town. There's some stuff there. And yeah,
4: that's interesting because that connects to me and Jim. The, the whole Walla Walla Valley and a huge swath of the Pacific Northwest is just uh, heavy laden with uh, Lewis and Clark and all the shit that they did. Merryweather.
3: And yeah <laughs> they're they're all royalty too. So in that book I got the about the New Madrid, the New Madrid, whatever, and uh that's where he lays out all the relatives, the whole family tree. I can I'll send you a picture later. In the Where'd, you <laughs> Where'd you get that sack of Juweed at From Luis down on Farm What I get what? Where'd you get that sack of at From Luis. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I forgot all about that joke. What'd you get that second of weed? Oh,
3: from Luis. Well, well we...
4: plus you have to understand the joke uh, The you know, uh, the it's a rural um, migrant farm worker community. So you really do get your sack of weed
3: from Luis or from Jose or from Jesus. Because... You find out about Davis. Okay. He's an actual native American. He's not African. He's a, He's native American. Uh-huh. Keep well, it's a big lie that
4: the African there's there's they they conflated the African Americans and the Native Americans so that we don't have any idea which is which, and um, yep. it's it's not you know we'd have to really do some untangling on the Gordian knot to fucking figure it out, but it's it's good enough just
3: to know you can look and see. I mean, the, the, they did it using the census records, so when they when it came up for census, they would mark them down as African American, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? I'm this tribe, and they're like, yeah.
4: Yeah, just like they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah my hero John right. Prine—he died of COVID. Yeah, the fuck he did. He did. Right. He was the first to die of COVID. He was right at the beginning. Yeah, I had front row tickets. I was going to see him here in Boise. Uh, we, bought, we we spent a thousand bucks to see him in the front row, and then he died
3: of COVID. And I've listened yeah, to my old man so many times. It's just, oh,
1: that's it, my guitar hero. Did man.
5: you guys catch the Davis? That they combined the log cabin with was Jefferson Davis, yeah, yeah. Pre- president of the Confederacy. Yeah, yeah. that's just bizarre.
4: Wow, wow, yeah,
1: isn't that
5: strange? The two got, they're giving, away, they're giving away the
4: game, If they're giving away the game. It's like when they start making the jokes obvious at the end of the night, you know.
3: Yeah. We're immigrants, we've all been here the whole fucking time, and if we did come immigrate, we re immigrated. America right. is exodus. Yes. Yes, Snake. I took that point and I drove it home on the last weave. When the next Weaving Spiders comes up, I totally brought that into the weave, man. And we're thinking Exodus is double cross. Whoa. They cr- We crossed over a long time ago, then they crossed us back over. As soon as you start setting your roots in, and maybe there's even a generational like clock, like Seven generations, and then boom, time to get go to Im- again. Time to emigrate back across. My diaspora. ancestors, internal diaspora. Oklahoma. I I knew it when I left there. I knew that's that's the only reason that worked. No one else could have gone there. It never would have worked if Ben and all of them weren't doing the live stream. This beautiful, like you said, one collective art piece. But those are my ancestors under there, and it's it's not just me, guys. You know. You want to talk about doing something really awesome. We should all talk about hitting the road and getting to the, spread some salts or whatever and doing our magic and once and for all, just that's the stuff they can't fuck with. They can't stop you from doing what we're doing here. They can't. I mean, they can't if they do, it's like destroying us would be destroying themselves. Like they don't even really have the power. It's us. Look how much time and effort they spend On deception and just trying to get our creative energy, uh, who we are. That's, I mean, you know, there's a lot more than one moon cat.
5: Yeah, see, yeah, there's little moon cats that serve the mega moon cat, according to Taz. Exactly, mega moon cat's the guy at the the, top. But we're just mega moon cats have Godzilla size. (laughs) Mega moon 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 cat. cat. So I
3: I got an idea. You just put in my head, snake, when you said that. Before we all get together. It should be, you know, it's going to be spring. It'll be nice and warm. We should all go camp out on our ancestors' graves. Spend one night, whatever, you got to hop a couple fences, lay low, bring your knapsack, dress
1: warm. My
5: my ancestors have a plot of land that goes back pretty far. That's all for my mom's side of the family. The, the properties in me, the family. Again, like, it nice. wouldn't
4: be too hard for me if I could just find somebody, Alger or Gordon nearby. I'm sure there's some names,
3: you know. Oh yeah, yep. see, this is the other thing. You're going to land there anyway, right? <laughs> <big? That's about laughs> my ancestors, my whole lot, my whole family's in Crystal City, Missouri, in Rose Rose Garden. It's a cemetery, hundreds of years, going back to the 1890s. We first, anyway. <laughs> I was just looking for a church to go to, working with Neil Kramer. He gave me seven criteria to follow. I did. And I found myself in this church two blocks away from my, you know, this is my biological father. It was so healing. And then they did COVID and they closed the doors. (laughs) Of Of course. course. They can't. You'll be drawn to it naturally. And if you answer that call. Right. We should all camp on our ancestors' graves and write our will in the back of the Bible.
5: Ooh, mine might already be there <laughs> snake the last time i went to crystal city yeah i went to a rave in a cave yeah that's my uh yep yeah, wow that might it be. was pretty cool i'm probably like, in this picture somewhere my grandfather
3: pictures. my great-grandfather and my great-great-grandfather the billings and the toulouse and all them they live in crystal city and they work the mines the crystal mines Chirpy. so i come from a family of miners it shows i can see yep i think i can see myself what year was that
5: oh it had to be like 2014 yeah they only did it once that's you right there i might i have a hood like that but i remember being more over here i don't know (laughs) i remember being a lot bigger (laughs) We had to walk like a mile inside the cave to get to where they were set up. It was pretty a one-time wow. event. It only happened once. Only happened once because they didn't have a permit and they just did it anyway. Yeah, that's what a rave is. God damn it. That's yeah, exactly. New it's, new it's, under, <laughs> it's literally underground.
4: Somebody <laughs> prints secret hey, hey, hey. tickets, and if someone hands you one, that means they really like you and trust you. And if you fuck it up, we might have to beat the dog shit in. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gonna be high on
5: drugs. Come on, you can't tell. <laughs> this is what I got done today. Oh, yeah, I wanted yeah. to see that before I push the Most button. of this is nice. Most of the, this is old, but I worked on this part down here.
4: Yeah, nice. I like this guy.
5: This little foxy dude. Yeah. that is.
4: Cool. I like it it looks like he's wearing a mask or something.
3: Like a yeah, pharaoh. Got a pharaoh beard, yeah. Yeah, it's great. And then I do the spider web up here. I see
4: that Yeah. looks really nice. good, man. Can could we, could we place bids on this thing? Yeah, when so that big big how big much? I think I might. Is a thousand <laughs> enough? <laughs>
5: I don't know.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I have no idea. No, no one ever buys originals.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, sometimes pay, I've sold some paintings, but those are a lot quicker to make.
8: No,
4: I know that's why I said it, that you have to people have to think about it. There's a there's all these silly little clips on the internet now, you know, they're they're trying to brainwash us with this short 15 30 second nonsense clip life and I click on it sometimes and uh, of course I follow a lot of art shit and uh one of the songs is like it costs so much because it takes me fucking hours. Whenever they're showing art, you know, people choose that song. It costs so much. It costs so much because it takes me fucking hours. You know, like, it's true. You know, I mean, we're watching. Uh, remember, Jim, I said I was going to finish my painting on the show and how little I got done. This huge. I have a huge painting. I've been painting on it for years and years. It's called uh, Ozzy Osbourne, fully proselyzed and Fervently Preaching the Apocalypse. I brought it all confident on the picture show and I was going to finish it and I fucking, you can't even tell I touched it with paint. I
5: probably spent six
4: or ten hours on it. You can't even tell I changed anything.
5: Hold that Here's up closer to the I, camera, I Chance. Did, I did, this is an old one that I didn't like my color choice and I gave up early. Oh, man. Oh, like dude. It. Well, we can, uh... That's freehand? That's insane. Yeah, it's freehand. i maybe I could revive this one someday. It's a big piece. Oh, of Oh, it's paper. fine,
4: man. There's nothing wrong with the colors. Hey, hey, I don't hey. know those colors yeah. at all.
5: It's, it's the, the green thing. under the right eye. I just don't like that shade of green. It ruined it for me. Well, <laughs> tell you what, man. Just hey, take,
4: hey, hey. take a picture of it with your phone and send it to me, and I'll take all the color back out of it and print it and send it back to you. You can start over that way.
5: Oh yeah, I could. I could color it on Photoshop or something. Turn it into a digital art. Yeah, there you I go. Mean, you could, you could definitely make a template out of it. So the reason I don't know. do digital art that way, like painting digitally and all that, because I could really make some cool stuff, is because I'm already on the fucking computer too much. No, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're living your, <laughs> hey, part hey, of yeah. your life on the computer for us. I had three hours of my phone off today. No computer.
1: That's, nice.
3: If, well, at nice. least an hour or two. I turn it off. We talked about this a few days ago. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a practice. Good. It's... I don't know. No, I need to start yeah. something like that. I was thinking about doing every Saturday just
5: no phone. <laughs> Some kind of thing. We got to renegotiate with AI. Like, listen here, buddy. Behave. You know what? When you were saying that, I came across a page in here that just said the words, behave in a manner that honors your path. That's right. That's suitable to what you were just saying.
4: Yeah,
1: man.
4: I've accomplished my goal. I got to see what a chance is working on. Right. Yeah. I love you all Sitting with up. all of my heart and I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. So love your show. take down the web. Much love, brother. Take thanks everyone
7: for coming.
3: <laughs> yeah. That was fun. It was a good one.
7: Time for the yeah, spiders for to build a hammock.
5: <laughs> Jim, when do we get sixty three? Oh whoa. Sixty
7: three is doing. the last episode. You had to be there. Maybe you Look
5: should do Saturday hey, 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 night. This is Consus and the Cat. This is an old one in my journal. Wow. Wow. Whoa, this one should be revived.
3: That <laughs> is. Like serpent. That's it, yeah. yeah, that's like amazingly 3D, even though it's not even done yet.
5: Yeah, this needs to be revived too.
3: Interesting.
5: Cool. Dude, he's holding his finger up to the lips. He's got even like weird stag horns. Oh, my hey, God. That's supposed to be a rose between them. This is a really old one.
3: It looks and like the knight from, from uh, Monty Python.
5: I love Monty Python. There's the, oh, horn, yeah. the two two horns,
3: dude. Yeah, it it's cathode. It's got like sun blazing on the beard, and it's a cat. Oh yeah,
5: <laughs> it's cathode. Oh gosh, I gotta get that one.
3: Get
6: back to that one.
5: <laughs> I, I haven't looked through these for a long time, so. Kind of surprising yeah, myself. From the
7: find Stella point. in chat suggests you could make a coloring book from some of that. that oh, yeah. That good idea.
3: People love coloring books right now.
5: I I have a ton and I never use them because I'm too busy making my own. Oh, I'm still big. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey, It's all about me.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so how do we uh, do this?
3: I, I shared a link, Uh, I think, yesterday. Of, um, or maybe it was today, of Dante Alighieri writing a letter to a fellow who I think is our uh, Jacob Scal- Escaliga, who is like, yes, he's the bottleneck of all historical accounts. And his family had a monopoly on all of the materials for books. So, history. All went through his family. He had a he had it all on lock. Uh because they uh, all books were made out of goat materials, and his family had a monopoly on all the goats. Fuck. And so so Dante was writing a letter to this guy, and he's just kissing his ass. I mean, he might as well have gotten erotic with it. It was crazy. He was just like, That's I owe it. so much to you. And and at one point, Dante says to this guy. I hereby dedicate the first chapter of my book to you. Dante's Inferno? Yep. The one I've seen at the second auxiliary library in the first room? You got it. Yes. So Dante is dedicating the first chapter to this guy, Escaliga, And I'm thinking to myself, how many other assholes has he dedicated that first book to? Huh. And then I, then I think, wait a second. Is, is this the original NFT? <laughs> is this the, how the NFTs came to exist in one thousand three hundred and thirty something? <laughs> That's so crazy. Copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah, like say hello to your archonic rulers. Right, right. Dude. Yeah, that is crazy. So, like, my thinking is, how does he do that? Would he would like? Get this guy to print up a bunch of copies, and then he would like write in everybody's name that he owes one to, and dedicate them to all the different guys, and send them out to all of them. And then it's like he's yeah. covered his bills, you know?
1: Wow. Yeah, that That's was a, that was a, that was a fun little rabbit hole,
6: dude.
3: How much of your life is reading? Because I want to get to that level. I'll oh. Help. A whole lot, but I have this really weird thing where I will like skim something really fast, and like for some reason, I don't know what it is, but like something inside of me will be like, there, stop, dig in, and I'll and I'll pick it up, and I'll be like, oh my god, I see why I'm supposed to be. I like the rest of this can go to hell. I needed this paragraph, and that's kind of what happened with that. It was it's pretty interesting. That's the unseen force. I keep trying to it happens on YouTube it happens on these things that they're just presented, and mm-hmm. like you're just is that something similar is that what you're describing? it's there for you when you yeah it's a great. shortcut it's a definitely a shortcut like I could never fully read everything the way I really want to because I'm so analytical, I would just take me forever to get through a paragraph so i I kind of bibliomancy a lot of things and then somehow. I'm like, I will focus when I need to focus. And it like hits me like a brick when it happens. It's interesting.
5: That makes a lot of sense. Cause I read in a manner where if I get through a paragraph and I realize that I couldn't recite back to myself exactly what I just read, I reread it. And I have like this obsession with full comprehension reading. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at the end of the day, the only things that I remember from what I read later in conversation or for research are the things that gave me genuine excitement. Anyway, huh, so yeah. it's almost like a diminishing returns that level of trying to be fully focused in on it and take it all in in a memorizational way. Mm-hmm. This is um, from the art that I just showed before. I colored the cup. Sean <laughs> cut it out and colorized it digitally, and then I made this digital backdrop to put it on so this is like a weird cool uh sp- off art <laughs> and while i've commandeered the screen share this is the first picture i ever made in this marker style that i do huh. before i had before i had like fancy markers that can do shading cool that is super cool there's a lot of
3: ophiolatry it's more than super <laughs> cool yeah, yeah.
5: I think this is from like 2014 or 15, mostly sharpies. Um, and then one more. I don't know if I've showed this to you guys before.
1: I really like this one. Jesus,
5: last one. Yeah, that was cool. cool. This one's big, as far as the size of the piece of paper.
3: Dude, that's that's what that is. What good mushrooms allow you to see. The serpents,
5: exactly. Yeah. I just draw because it's something I can I can draw. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's I have done terrible. a lot of mushrooms, not like it's, an absurd amount, but enough. There's symbols.
3: There's all that in there. It's just packed in there, and you you, you, you got to know how to interpret it. So yeah,
5: At the bottom, it says, F- "Freedom is self mastery."
3: Oh yeah. No, that's what, that, that's what uh, Dylan was. Going on, on. He was saying that the Akidna in the cave. He was saying that that is the serpent that meets you in the in the spirit world when you do DMT. Oh, and that, wow. That that flipped my lid when he inf- implied that, and then he just moves on to the next subject. He just drops that on everybody and moves on. I was, was like, Holy oh shit! Yeah, uh, no, this one was maybe
5: two thousand fifteen. Okay, so. This is a banana, some kind of banana vessel gun.
3: <laughs>
5: here, it looks like it says panic, but if you look closely, it says don't panic. But you have to be able to see, see it. into it. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. yeah. It's I forgot even got about a, this little dragon here.
3: It's got banana apostrophes.
5: Yeah. Hey, I, was hey, into hey, I was doing a lot of bananas up here. I don't know why. Hey, hey, why did why does everyone say that the snake is eating
3: its own tail? It's only biting it. Like it consumes itself. It's not consuming anything.
5: Is that the (laughs) Echidna?
3: Yeah. Nice. Yes. Dude. Wow. This is like,
5: a lot of this is stream of consciousness. Not like I had a, a solid intention, but then you look at it later. Is that a
3: like rock and roll luchador? With the guitar?
5: He's got <laughs> rocket boots. Rocket oh, boots man. And, it's like Iron Man hands and boots, and but he's got like hell, a skull. Hell,
3: head. yeah.
1: And some wild he's, hair. He's a, he's a bass player, though, to be, to be correct about it. Awesome, Rita, awesome <laughs> chance.
3: It's more fun when I zoom in on it, actually. <laughs> the big dragon. What
5: is that? That's a big dragon. Oh, my God. It's like Quetzalcoatl. That was the beginning of the whole piece. This was what began it. Everything emerged out of this. Everything emerged out of this bottle. And then
3: there's the bigger dragon. I'm going to have awesome dreams after looking at this. (laughs) (laughs) You're integrating all this knowledge that you've brought in in a painting.
5: Years ago. Yeah, and you can return to it. fucking <laughs> amazing. It's pretty weird. I don't even, like, there's aspects of this that my imagination can't reach at the moment, and I don't know why. <laughs> as far as, like, create, on a creative side. Maybe That's it's because, because I'm not, like, I don't like to make things this small anymore, but now I look at it, and it's actually really fun to have stuff that small going on. <laughs> there's a micro and a macrocosm going on here. So anyway, psych- you know,
7: Psychedelic, where's Waldo?
5: <laughs> yeah, my last one, I actually put Waldo in it, my most recently completed one.
1: <laughs>
3: nice. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. I think that state, to be able to see that, that's thats what the world really looks like. You ever like, it's a type of awareness. People yeah. live like that and they can see, it's how they see the world. And they can interpret these, I don't even know, these etheric or, I don't know, I haven't figured it out yet
5: something like the, that. the well the well dude yeah. when i had my, my the thing pops- is when the when the well comes on for me i fall in and it's not like yeah. I, it's not like i can ease into it and dip my toes in and get my feet used to it and then you know once your balls hit the cold water you're at a different State <laughs> try, try not to get the balls in there
0: I came back just in time for cold balls and water you know, there, there's, a, there's, a song,
1: there's a song
0: by a, a metal band Three Inches of Blood Called Balls of Ice Running
3: through your veins Balls of Ice You're welcome <laughs> Perfect. I'm
5: trying to figure out how to wrangle these cats Back into the corral And wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it up. I want to keep
3: going. I got to homeschool my boy.
5: All right, gentlemen. Maybe I'll play some music for us to exit to.
7: Yeah, what are you guys doing Saturday night? Do you have any (laughs) plans for Saturday
1: night?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Number 64. Yeah, 64, I think. It'll be fun.
2: 64.
7: That's a big one. Got some ideas for 64. 64?
5: There's too much. If we open that can of worms on 64 right now, we'll be here till six hours and 40 minutes into the show.
3: (laughs) 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 We got a homie Romy from Rising from the Ashes. And, uh, you know, probably some alternative history and some Gnosticism and who knows what. Do you think it's uh, um, appropriate to even number them?
5: Maybe we should put some symbols to, the, to mark them. <laughs> like, what's going on in the oh, sky? When you, something I else quit is. numbering my main show, but Vibrant has had numerical synchronicities not planned it's by very, numbering it.
7: It's a very good That's question, good. Chris Brooks. I'm sorry to distort the... It's
3: my 13-year-old porn name. <laughs> it's the most popular song I think it was Thunder Road or something
7: it's, it's a good question and maybe after episode 66 things will change and then the naming structure can change there we go
3: transcendence but
7: then, but then we have this issue of if we're trying to put a date on it like a year month day we start Saturday and then we go into Sunday so if more of the show takes place on Sunday should it be dated for Sunday or should it be dated for Saturday night
4: When it begins
0: for the the birth of the episode.
7: Well, when it ends is when it's emerged from the womb. Mm. It's like it might be a six hour birthing process to get that baby spider out. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) a gnarly
0: labor, man.
7: A lot of spiders are born in in one clutch. It is a (laughs) Herculean labor. That is certainly true. Nice. All right, everyone, All say right. bye to me.
3: All right. Bye, Good bye to me, chance.
5: Good night, everybody.
3: Good bye night, everybody. You.
1: Bye to me. <laughs>